Hey guys, what's going on? It's First Jukis here with another episode of Never Going Home First Jukis. Uh, it's been a bit of a long time since I've been getting some regular content out, but hopefully that's changed now. The last episode I did uh, a week or two ago with uh, a good friend of mine, Clayton Off Bricks. Um, and it's kind of interesting because today's guest is a good friend of mine, Jack Greg Midlane, and uh, it's kind of relevant with uh, Clayton because uh, Jack and Clayton were in the same band and I met them both while in South Korea. So uh, yeah, it's a bit of a weird full circle thing. Um, so I'm just going to uh, I'm going to pass you over to Jack, who's going to introduce himself after a little tiny bit of music because I'm wearing my big boy trousers today and trying to be a professional podcaster with a mixer of music. So let's go. This is actually um, a very long project. This music's uh, from a long, uh, a long ongoing project of mine and Jack's, and uh, well, yeah, to be continued from years ago. So yeah, that wasn't the smoothest segue into a show, but whatever, we're we're, we're learning. So Jack, if you want to introduce yourself, uh, yeah, all right. So my name's Jack Craig Midlane. Uh, I'm currently a lecturer at uh, the University of the West of England. Um, so I'm a lecturer in policing, but I was a lecturer in crim criminology. Um, but I got, uh, yeah, I got poached by University of West of England or UE uh, to teach on the new policing degree. Um, and I know Fuzz from, as he said, music stuff. We met out in South Korea. Uh, I was in a few punk and ska bands before that, and then um, yeah, we met. As you were talking about on your last show, which I watched most of, uh, yeah, we met through you auditioning to be the Mr. Headbutt yeah, guitarist. About, I forgot about that. <laughs> so, um, I didn't yeah, yeah. I don't know, is that enough information? I, I don't know how yeah. much you want. Yeah, no, I'm a massive fan of, um, I'm a massive fan of just like normal conversation. I think uh, that was one of the reasons why I started the podcast in the first place was because I think people are just fed up of regular media, you know, like you, you, you read something and you think, uh, is this got an editor? Is this from a certain source? Is it? I mean, I mean that all of those apply to like new media and podcasts and stuff like that. But it doesn't feel as uh, I don't know. It just feels more organic to have a normal conversation. And if you in if you have guests on and you can talk about stuff, you get like more of an organic, long form answer. I just think it's really weird that uh, TV debates and things like that can condense things down to answers in ten seconds. And you just think it's more complicated than that. Like, how can you do it that quickly, you know? Um, so first of all, like, uh, Jack, you studied, uh, you know, a BA, an MA, and then a PhD in criminology and sociology? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so BA in criminology and sociology. Uh, I did that in Brighton. Now I did my MA at Sheffield University in international criminology, and then I did a PhD in criminology, um, which was, you know, where it's not like it's not like kind of studying a topic. It's just like doing your own piece of research, yeah. which I think you spoke to Clayton again last last week about. So yeah, although it was um, badged criminology, it's more like the sociology of policing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really my area. Um, yeah, and like obviously, a lot of people might not understand. Well. I didn't before I met you, really. I didn't understand what the whole sort of spectrum of uh, criminology or sociology kind of meant. But if you were to break it down in a super, like, layman, l l I was going to say laymatic, like, 
trying, but that's not even a word. But if you were going to break it down in a simple way, uh, yeah. So what? So criminology first? Do you want to go, want, go with yeah, that? Yeah, it's a bit of a double whammy because they're together. Does it change? Are they? Do they go hand in hand? Are they? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess let's start with sociology because sociology is a bit older. Um, I suppose sociology is more what you could consider a discipline. So they had. Uh, kind of objectives and a set of, um, well, at least at first, they had a kind of set of methods and a set of principles for how you study society. So obviously that's what sociology is, the study of society. Um, and so, yeah, they that's what you would call a discipline. So you have a kind of these parameters around what you study, what the goals are of the discipline and what kind of methods you would use. Um, so... Yeah, criminology, I suppose, is very similar to sociology, but it's a bit broader. Um, I don't really consider it as a discipline. I'd consider it as a field, which just means everyone who's interested in crime or topics which are somehow linked to crime studies criminology in some sense or another. But yeah, we're, so we're, we're a mixed bunch. Some, of, some criminologists are psychologists, so they study kind of, you know, the mind, um, whether that's cognition or, or um, affection like why like people emotion. might become criminals or yeah kind of thought processes or um, or how emotions affect people's behavior um, so yeah it could be about why people become criminals it could be about how crime affects people um, how uh, how experiences um, in people's younger years uh, affects their development going forward mm. so yeah that's some of criminology and then Lots of the, the my wife years. just doing some uh, <laughs> samba dance. This is the joys of uh, not having a studio and being uh, in lockdown at home. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so it, it adds to it though. This is um, you know this is what lockdown is about, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, I'm all my work is uh, now peppered with cameos by my my three year old. So. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so well, so there are some psychologists in criminology and there's lots of sociologists in criminology and then there's legal scholars. Um, more and more we're getting people from computer science um, and other sciences coming in to study criminology as well. Um, so it, it's kind of a what I call a kind of multidisciplinary. Um, so it's not people just from one tradition. Uh, they're from lots of traditions. Th that wasn't uh, kind of simple at all, was it? I was no, just, no, 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 but it's great because... Um... No, that, that yeah, it was good, pretty, pretty good overview, I think. Right, we're just gonna hang just on. Just pretty sec. good. We're gonna we're gonna hang on a sec while Becky uh, gets some maracas and drumsticks out and goes at <laughs> Is it. Is that really happening? Goes well. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's good. This, this will probably. <laughs> hashtag. Oh. Hashtag those who can. That was a more of a smooth segue than your uh, than your introduction music there. Yeah. You really can't. Like, I didn't know uh, how uh, how these uh, condensed mics actually do pick up everything that you said because most of the yeah. time I'm using them on my own, and I I can hear more with it on than I could with my normal ears. I'm like, yeah. we are halfway through the crust. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've been using this one a lot to record, and so I'm recording lectures at the moment at home because of the lockdown. Yeah, and yeah, you get, my students can hear everything which happens in my house. My neighbours, the birds tweeting outside, 
So yeah, they've got lots of atmosphere. Yeah. That's it. Don't don't rush back. Yeah, you know, no, it's fine. Take your time. Don't rush. <laughs> How's that pizza coming along? I don't know, Jack. This microphone's so good, Jack could probably tell like each step of the meal preparation. Can you tell what what she's doing? <laughs> God, this this was an issue in my house earlier as well. When uh, <laughs> when we were on the phone trying to sort out our audio stuff and. Uh, Amy kind what of looked cook? in and yeah. was sending me messages being like, have you ordered the curry? Yeah. There you go. I could hear the chopping. I, you, and, know, uh, back, you know now. this is live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you shut the door, please? Yeah, sociology and criminology is a uh, is a science of sorts. I, I guess you can. it comes under the umbrella of uh, social science. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a kind of funny question, um, and I don't know how long I can I can bore you with <laughs> this one as well. But I don't really consider myself uh, a scientist, or at least I I didn't for a long time. Um, and lots of other people in you know natural sciences and things probably wouldn't consider sociology a science. But yeah. I mean, you know, depends what you mean by the science. You know, if you're just talking about using well, the best possible lot... method to find out. Yeah, I think people yeah. use science. Um, it, the word science kind of gives it a bit of weight, then, and it kind of puts it makes it more plausible or credible because it's uh, it's a thing, you know, it's a science. So, um, so you what you what are you currently working on? What is your sort of role at the moment? Like, what is Jack, Greg, 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 Greg? I'm dyslexic, so that's gonna happen. That's gonna happen. <laughs> Um, I've, I've had your name in my phone for probably about eight years and it's probably been spelt wrong for about eight years. <laughs> I think it's, a, it's a spelling which confuses you. There's a Scottish I in it, which is, you know, which doesn't affect the sound of the word. Yeah. Okay. So, you um, know, like Ian with an I, my, I'm Greg with an I. Yeah. Ah, oh, gee whiz. Right. And we're back. So many, right. So... Oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Um, I've already had, I've committed to editing this now. Um, <laughs> right. So, so we were talking about uh, you were asking me what I was doing at the moment. That was it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, what are you currently looking into at the moment, Jack? What What is your job, research-wise, or you know, outside of teaching or whatever? Well, so I only just started my current job this year. Um, and so it takes a little while to get yourself set up into kind of doing more research. So after my PhD, I have been doing no research at all. Um, so basically, I've just been teaching nonstop uh, for the last year. Um, and I had a teaching role before that. So I've, yeah, I've just been pretty intensely just kind of getting on with teaching and marking and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, and after finishing the PhD, yeah, I guess I'll probably move on to doing more research for the police. Um, cause you work with the police now, right? Yeah. So I, I teach the police. But you um, teach students at U, UE as well. Yeah. Or, I, or I, I teach thing, both undergraduate students uh who are not uh kind of being tracked into the police force and i teach people who have been hired by avon and somerset constabulary um and they are basically going through an apprenticeship program 
And so they're kind of going into the force and spending a little bit of time there on what they call their tutorship, which is just where they, you know, they have a, a tutor uh, police officer and they learn from them on the job. And then they come to us uh, every now and again to do a really quick module. So basically condensing like a year's module into like two weeks usually. Wow. That's kind of what they do. That's enough time. Yeah. So it's pretty intense. Yeah. So it's, um, it's an, in, let's say it's an interesting experience. I don't know how diplomatic I'll be by the end of this podcast. I'll, I'll start off diplomatic. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's really, it's really tough on them. And it's, it's kind of tough on us at the moment because it's the whole program is just completely new. So mm. we're just, um, so yeah, that's why I'm just so fucking busy because yeah. I'm just spending my time so <laughs> doing that. I, it's really tricky, the, like not at the moment, it's always been really tricky. The uh, the public perception of the police is an interesting one because um, it's always been like fashionable almost to like not like the police in certain subcultures, you know, it's like, oh, the police, this police. And uh, I, maybe I was a little bit guilty of that as well when I was younger. But then, you know, as I've grown up and I've seen things unfold and I've thought, oh, shit, uh, the police actually do, uh, you know, there's, there's a guy beating up someone else or there's a guy smashing someone over the head with a with a pipe or whatever and you just think so the police that's the police's job to sort that out and i just think uh yeah no i got a lot of respect for that but what i what's really annoying is this kind of like it's like this trend you know to hate the police and whatever but you think if they weren't around i well i i think it's not up for debate i think if they weren't around things could be a lot worse do you know what i mean like if they were in people sort of upholding law and doing stuff and that's not trendy and i know it's like me and you were vaguely in punk rock circles playing in bands and stuff like that and in those circles especially you if you said something like that people would be like who's this guy i don't like you because you've just said that you think uh, police are you know you've got a sort of uh, bit of respect for the police it's, it's a really weird thing i just don't understand I think it comes from like maybe a couple of bad eggs in the police force, but um, you know, like every job you've got, you're gonna have good people and bad people and stuff, aren't you? So, like, can, do you know? Is there kind of a is there kind of a theory behind this, behind it, or is it just generally? Um, yeah. So, well, there's there's uh, there's quite a bit to say about that, but I guess I was I my interest in policing kind of started in the same way uh, was that I had a few times where I was like stopped and searched um and uh yeah I mean it wasn't particularly bad for me because you know uh like I'm a middle class white guy <laughs> it wasn't a particularly big impact on my life and it only happened a couple of times but um there was one of my friends um who was, who was a black guy uh, in London and so I, I, this is kind of one of the conversations I remember if I think about where my interest came from I remember this quite clearly we were having a conversation and he was saying oh you know if, if if a police officer was just to get killed on the streets I wouldn't I wouldn't care about it and then that kind of like really kind of threw me back but you know his experiences of the police in his area I think is from East London and you know his his, his hatred was that intense they must that, really know, have fucked he, with him to, you know he didn't make care it about that bad life. like do you know what I mean like because most reasonable people, uh, most reasonable people would probably have a bad time and think, well, I don't know, maybe I'm a weirdo for thinking that most like people would have a level-headed approach and think that guy was a dick, uh, but maybe they're not all like that. But I guess if you have maybe several experiences, 
with different people and they're all the same, then that gets for you. But maybe I'm just a weird optimist and I just think, you know. Yeah, I think there's a few things. So, so one, there's kind of people's direct experiences of the police themselves. Um, and it, it may well be in some areas, um, you know, particularly kind of uh, high crime um, and areas and areas with, uh, you know, lots of different problems as well. So, you know, fairly impoverished and, and other kind of issues of deprivation. Yeah. So, so it might mean that in those areas, people are having a bad experience because the social issues there are so bad. The police presence is pretty high as well. And then when you get a higher police presence in an area where there's already lots of problems and they're kind of, you know, quite highly strong because of that. So it, it just means that the relationship between people is going to be difficult as well because police are there to kind of do society's dirty work, right? Mm. They're there to kind of go and, um, you know, coerce people into behaving in a particular way or, you know, monitor people and things like that. So so there's that, which is a direct experiences. But then there's also people's uh, indirect experiences, which would be... You know, if, if a community itself has a, a perception of the police because people speak to each other. So, you know, let's say if 10% of the community are getting stops and search regularly, then if they start speaking to everyone else, then all those other people close to them somehow through their networks, they'll have a bad um, impression too. And thirdly, you've got the history of areas as well. So say like places like Notting Hill and Brixton, you know, areas where you've got kind of uh, a, a history of, you know, where where the history of immigration has kind of shaped those areas, and, you know, kind of who lives in the areas and what the culture is like around there. And, and they have a memory, not only of what the police do, but also of legislation, which is used to control them. So, you know, for example, in the it's 50s. it's been rife. Yeah, it's been horrible yeah. for like a long time. Yeah, so, you know, we had a, a lot of um, migration, particularly around um, the Second World War. Um, from Jamaica, so and, and lots of other countries as well. But so in these areas, you know, they were kind of brought to the country to kind of fill uh, different industries and help out with the war effort. And then ten years later, you know, r- roughly ten years later, um, there was more legislation brought in. You know, they felt like they were kind of welcome in the country, and it's, especially Jamaicans, they considered Britain to be the kind of the motherland, right? Um, and so they kind of thought of themselves as, you know, part of the same, you know, nation or, or part of the same country in, in a sense, just because of our, our colonial relationship with them. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, in, in the 50s, you had uh, a lot more border control coming in. Uh, and so people's families couldn't join them. There was a lot more suspicion. You know, this is still the effects of this are still being felt through Windrush as well. Yeah. So, yeah, people have a kind of historical memory of how they have been let down by the state and how they've been coerced by the state it just keeps going as well like it's just crazy even now when there's there's opportunities for people to sort of make amends or be you know go you know be lenient with this decision when they could when there's two on the table they could go this way and it just seems it just doesn't seem to be getting much better it's weird no well i mean i guess yeah, in politics these days, um, you know, law and order politics, I guess, was it was kind of people say roughly came in around, you know, Thatcher's time, late 70s, early 80s, you know, kind of 
governing through crime. They say, um, so the idea that, um, you know, crime becomes such an important policy which affects uh, elections um, and it starts to affect other policies as well because it's such a kind of central part of government's policy programme, whereas in the past it might not have been. But um, so, yeah, so they I mean, might, that's they might have coming. it up and they might sort of play on that fear and kind of use that to their political advantage, like... Yeah, I mean, so yeah, we're, we're you know people talk about populism a lot, and I suppose that's one of the characteristics of populism, isn't it? Is mm. that you know kind of governing through fear as well. Um, so if you can make people fearful, um, I mean, I, you know, there, there's some things which make sense about those theories. Um, I'm not. I don't want to wade into it too much. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, they, well I, I just feel they're a bit reductive, really. You know, they kind of make it a bit too simplistic, but yeah. Um, so maybe let's, I, you know, I um, I was debating whether or not to bring it up or whatever, but maybe we should uh, bring up some of the current issues that we've got at the moment. Like, so coronavirus issues, like we, we what's the date today is the 24th of May. Uh, I had to look because every day sort of blends together at the moment for me anyway, because I, I can't really get any work done because of lockdown rules. Um, and I'm totally totally agree with them you know i'm all, i personally i would, if personally i would rather do things in a safe way um even though there's a lot of people out there think well you know it's not that bad and you know they're sort of playing it down but i just think but if it is people lose their lives so i'm happy to trust people that say this is what we need to do oh, i need to get rid of this bloody pop shield i'm happy to sort of trust people with the procedures and uh, the measurements and stuff like that. But to be honest, it just feels like an absolute clown show at the moment. Like this, this, I mean, yeah, let's get into it. I wasn't going to go deep, but whatever. Like, I feel like it's been an absolute clown show of an effort from the UK government. Like me and Jack both worked in South Korea. So we've got friends in South Korea. We probably, you know, I don't know about Jack, but I speak to people in South Korea all the time. So we, you know, we, we've got a good idea of what's going on. Um, and the news seems to be pretty accurate from the people that I've spoke to in South Korea at the moment um, who tackled the problem aggressively and pragmatically straight away. Um, but I remember when, when the outbreak came, uh, you know, when people, when, when these countries were taking aggressive measures um, and being proactive, like in this country, we let Cheltenham Festival go ahead and we just and they just dragged their feet and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I'm not a health expert or anything like that, but I just feel that this government has really let the country down. Um, and on top of that, I actually sympathize with the police because, for, and again, I will get Jack to weigh in on this because he's just his area or whatever, but like, uh, from what it seems to me, Jack, is that uh, the government have just been using populist taglines to not lose political power and have put the police in an, an impossible position where they can't actually police people. Am I right or am I wrong? Um, without being too reductive, but I mean, it seems like they could have been a, a bit, because I've seen a couple of tweets from, uh, police and crime commissioners, um, uh, criticizing the government's decisions and stuff like that, especially, I think it was the West Yorkshire guy. We, I maybe shared it with well, you. Well, that was the, uh, the guy from the, the Fed, Police Federation. Yeah, but I mean, they were just saying, like, thanks to the government, we literally have no clear guidance on how we can police X, Y, and Z. Is that them looking for a scapegoat or is that like an actual serious criticism, do you think? 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably a view fairly widely held in the police. <laughs> you know, I, I think the so the College of Policing, who are kind of there to they're there as a kind of a regulator um, to deal with kind of knowledge in policing. Um, and so I think they've been, you know, they, they put out guidelines um, for the police to use, but there's a lot of things which are unclear um, and particularly around the legislation because the police aren't confident or at least some police aren't confident in invoking the the new legislation because how do you feel about that is that is that uh, is that them being a sensible human being thinking like i don't want to put people through undue stress if it's not actually going to stand up or are they not doing their job properly uh yeah i mean i'm trying really hard not to give you such black and white answers but i'm just yeah, I, I think they've tried to be quite nuanced with it, actually, um, generally. And, you know, obviously, when I say they, I mean, you know, overall, from what I've seen, they have. And, you know, I, I really don't know because, because I don't know what each individual police officer are doing. Mm. But I think, I guess this is probably a good rule, actually. The more unclear the rules are um, and the more different courses of action seem to be legitimate or, or the fewer courses of action which... You know, if there are so few courses of action that seem legitimate that you don't know what to do, then actually it means you'll get a wider range of responses to similar problems. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, how does how does a cop go and deal with someone who's who's sunbathing down at the park? Or you know, now they they wouldn't deal with it because it's it's allowed now under the lockdown mark two, um, but under lockdown mark one. Uh, you know, some cops would kind of go and just have a quick chat and, you know, at a bit of a distance and just say, you know, you know, you're not supposed to be out. It's probably a good idea to go back in. Um, and, you know, just so this is the idea of just, you know, your first response should be engaging with people. Um, and I've seen and a couple of YouTube um, the rules. I've seen a couple of YouTube examples where people have been posting videos probably to sort of, uh, you know, rally outrage and, and, and support for them, but it's backfired massively and people have just been like, what a dick. Like, the guy, there was this one woman, this one video, it's probably Vari, you can find it on YouTube, uh, this one, and this was early lockdown too, so this was when, like, it was literally all four nations just for exercise, don't take the piss, which is how most people sort of interpret the advice. Um, but this woman was like, I'm at the, the, the she was sitting on a bench and the police officer said look you've been here and she she said I'm filming you I'm filming you and he said yeah that's fine you you're allowed to film me it's not a problem I'm just saying you've been here for over half an hour um you know could you please move on like you're only meant to be out for exercise and she said I'm mentally exercising and he said okay well you know as far as we understand it, these are the rules we've got to follow i really don't want to fall out with you i don't want to like charge you with anything or anything like that but if you could just please move along that'd be great and she went on and on and this guy was there for like 10 minutes giving her every single chance you could give her and he said and she said are you gonna arrest me and he's like well I, I really don't want to and she was and he said, can you please move on? She said, no, are you going to arrest me? He's like, yeah. And he goes, and then she was like, go on and handcuff me. And she's, it's really weird because she was getting all hammed up. She was like, you're going to handcuff me? You're going to, he's like, no, you seem all fine. Like, I don't even want to arrest you. But like, you know, if you're, if you're adamant and you want it, this, this is the way you want it to go, then we're going to have to. 
And she was like, put the handcuffs on me, put the handcuffs on me. And he's like, no. It was weird. It was so weird. And then he had to put her in a van with three other police officers. And I thought, those three police officers are like, oh, great. Now we've got some random that we don't know. You know, social distancing rules are great. How they can social distance, I have no idea. But They can't, yeah. It was horrible. I was just thinking, you know, people have had bad experiences with bad police. Yeah, granted, I get it. But not, like, some of them are going to be okay. And, like, some of them got families. One of them might not go home and see their kids and wife because they've had to deal with someone being an absolute knob and picked up coronavirus and potentially died. Like, you know what I mean? It's just unavo- it's avoidable. It's just so stupid. Yeah, I mean... I- yeah, I mean, I could, obviously, I can't say like kind of how well this stuff has has been implemented. But I mean, I think obviously the the issue is that when when the laws are bad, then you will get a range of different behaviours, and and some of the police will deal with it quite well, and some of it will deal with it not so well, or people will just deal with it in ways which are completely different, and some people will see them as legitimate, and some people won't. Like so, just from speaking to my students, um, and the I, officers. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I definitely had a few of them who who said, you know, in our team, we're just happy to engage people and you know inform people of stuff, but not really make too big an issue of it. Uh, and they were in a neighbourhood team. And then I had uh, um, one person from a response team who said, we're doing it like the letter of the law. <laughs> so, but, but there is so, no know, letter of the treat. law. It's so weird. Like they don't. You could interpret it as something. This woman went on about Napoleonic law and the difference between French law and English law and stuff. And this guy, oh, I just felt so bad for him. I mean, if you... Oh, I don't know. And it was... Oh, I don't know. Like, I mean, we, we, we all deserve freedom. We all have rights and stuff like that. But... And me, I guess some people, a lot of conspiracy theories are out there and people are saying, you know, this is all a, a plan to control people more and stuff like that. And I just think it may be. You know, I I can't say anything is one hundred percent not true, but it doesn't seem like that to me, and I just don't. I don't know. You speak to like NHS staff coming out of coming off shift with like you know all fucked up faces and shit from wearing PPE and crying and seeing people like my I lost my granddad on a COVID ward. It's a weird situation because he died of dementia, um, but picked up coronavirus on the ward so he was moved to a coronavirus ward none of us could go and see him and it was just horrible so one of those nhs nurses sat with him and he died with her or him so i just think it's a little bit of it's a little bit insulting to those nhs staff who see people dying every day when people say things like oh this is all overblown it's a way to control people etc and and it's, it's i think this Today, in, in in the social media world that we live in as well, like, things get traction, and it's crazy. Like, have you seen all the stuff about the uh, people burning 5G towers? And Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's... Uh, like, what do you make of that? How is that happening? There are scientists out there that are saying, like, this is the technology, this is the bandwidth. Uh, yeah, I... I... I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm not an expert in, in conspiracy theories. I know there's a lot of people who kind of have a big interest in conspiracy theories now. No, but a lot of people I don't really nowadays know how they it's work. so mainstream. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and I just think, well, how do police... If it builds traction and people start thinking, 
like really believing in it and subscribing to it, that that becomes a a bigger issue for the police, I guess. Yeah, well, I suppose it depends how it will come up. I mean, obviously you've got arson, uh, which I guess the response to that, you know, is pretty simple. Once it happens, it's like, well, you try and find who did it, and if you can, uh, you deal with them. Mm. But then I guess there's the other side to it is, is you know, probably the more in- interesting question for me is whether the police should be involved in countering disinformation. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, it's a bit of a heavy... That, some might think of that as a quite heavy-handed totalitarian state approach, you know? Yeah, and, and I suppose when we say countering disinformation, like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably a few different ways they could do that. Um I guess, yeah, you could have it in a totalitarian way where you have, you know, probably GCHQ um, kind of monitoring communications and trying to disrupt communications um, kind of at the source. Or I suppose the other way is that you could monitor disinformation and then see, try and predict where it's going to have consequences in the real world to, to try and kind of well, understand where your resources are needed. So that's actually something that they're doing at Cardiff University. Is working I think that. that's like a legitimate yeah. thing at the moment, isn't it? With like, you know, all the all the stuff that came out with like the Russian troll farms and things like that. Like, it's like there is a sort of political or social economical advantage of flooding all these like conspiracy ideas and people burning down infrastructure and believing in lizard people and all this stuff. Like it, it, it destabilizes a, a state. So... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess a lot of the conspiracy theories kind of filter through a small amount of individuals. I'm guessing, so it's, it's know, bananas. Like people I speak like to, Dave, David Ike, I guess, is like the the, the big one. Um, you but familiar, now you've got a lot you're familiar of, with him? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm very familiar with his name, and you know, some of his more out there theories. I, I've never, I've consciously just avoided him because. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I know some people might say stuff like that. I know some people might say, "Well, how can you disagree with it or criticize it if you don't know?" Like if you haven't like yeah. read his book and all this stuff. And I just think, well, maybe that's a good point. But I think, well, well, I think I'm gonna the lizard people is yeah. the first thing I heard. So it was yeah. pretty much just put that's me enough off for treating me. him as a serious person. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm not making that up. Am I? He does believe that, like, there's an Illuminati group of people that turn into lizards, and well, they are lizards, I think. Uh, they, but they just, pretend yeah, to can't be human. See their scaly nature. That could be a good name for a band, Scaly Nature. Yeah. No, but I'm not making that up, though. He legitimately thinks there are lizard people running the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is like you say, uh, how do you know stuff he says isn't right? It's just like, well. He is not credible, and there's no there's a, there's enough other people out there who are more credible than that. But this who is are such worth a, to. This is such <laughs> and, a, you know, this information is going to be if he if he if it's filtering through him, there'll be other people hearing about this information. And if a conspiracy is based on something which is true, then there'll be other sources where that information will be coming through. But it's, it's um, absolutely so, crazy. So I just how don't see people... the point in even entertaining people well, like that's, him. That's what I thought, but I'm not as smart as you, and I thought, well. I I just think it's bullshit. Like, and I'm not going to even bother. And like, my gut instinct, and I haven't got time to like delve into uh, are there lizard people running the world? I just know it doesn't sound real to me. But I know, like, literally, I spoke to about three or four people I haven't spoke to in a while on Facebook. And I went and they shared a David Dog post, and it looked like they were being sincere about it. And I said, 
oh, just saw your post. Uh, what what you what you make of David Icke? And you're like, oh, he's amazing. He's revealing the truth to us all. And like, I really believe we shouldn't be. And I just thought, ah, I don't want to be a dick and be like, that's stupid. What are you doing? But and uh, <laughs> but lizard people, yeah, I mean, come on, like. Yeah, I, I, I think I was surprised because I, I felt like generally the people I follow on Facebook are very similar politically to me. Um, so I, I don't really have that many people who are, you know, who I find incredibly politically disagreeable. But I was definitely surprised that the people who I noticed were liking kind of proper conspiracy theory posts like, um, you know, and David Icke in, included. You know, the, and these aren't like, these are people who I just wouldn't have, Thought of, you know, they're, yeah. they're they're quite smart, you know, highly educated, and yeah, I just, I, I just, I just I, yeah, I, I didn't see it at all. But um, but how, yeah, I mean, how worried are you about like disinformation? Like, because I it's absolutely batshit crazy how much how sensible people you would think are like, you know, sharing all this stuff. I just it baffles me. I'm really interested in like how we've got you. Yeah, well. I mean, to, to be honest, I, I don't really know how how much of a concern, how concerned I should be, I guess. Um, I hear people speaking pretty seriously about it mm. and warning of, you know, some pretty big dangers. I, I watched Homeland, which I thought I love Homeland. dealt with some of those issues pretty well, actually. Like Homeland, for all its kind of problems in, you know, some, some of the, the middle of, you know the middle seasons i thought some of the later seasons got quite interesting mm. um so yeah they had a i think it was the series before lo- the last one they had a lot about disinformation there so you know like a kind of shock jock guy yeah, yeah. um you know check shirt uh that must have been a call back yeah. <laughs> to um to uh, alex jones or something like that. i think he got uh taken off youtube as well yeah um, what was that he got what i think he got taken off youtube alex jones Oh yeah, I think yeah, he's been dumped off a, a bunch of social media sites. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, he was definitely meant to be on that on that model, but yeah, it's it's a slippery slope, and they're taking like I don't know, but it's yeah, uh, there's a lot of weird shit going on, and a lot of people are believing in it, and uh, I am pretty interested in it. So, um, I think there's another interesting source of this stuff now as well is that um, people like who is that? I suppose these kind of do you know like the intellectual dark web those, those guys. No, well, anyway. obviously you're a member, so like, do shit. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> quite, what's quite your, what's your username? Uh, no, so, I mean, they're basically, I, was, I kind of was introduced to them through my conversations with you, actually. Um, Don't bring me into this. This has nothing to do yeah, with me. It's, it's definitely absolutely awful. <laughs> so, so, you know, I guess it includes people like... Um, Jordan Peterson and the, the Weinstein oh, brothers. Oh, yeah, jeez. I remember when I said, uh, I, listened to, I listened to a podcast with him and some of the stuff he was saying, I was like, ah, hmm, don't, yeah, maybe the, that sounds oh, like that makes sense. And then I mentioned it to you and you were just like, oh, my God, put your, <laughs> shut your laptop, turn it off, <laughs> Becky, take his phone off him. And I was just like, oh, I don't, I, what? Um yeah but i mean that's a sad uh, story as well isn't it because he for all the advice that he'd been dishing around and doing stuff he you know he fell on uh, his weakness and vulnerability was the same thing he was kind of preaching to to protect against you know 
because he had the. Well, uh, yeah, this is what I think was kind of really interesting about that movement is they went from being kind of you know skeptics mainly aimed at kind of left wing uh, activism, left wing thought, um, and you know obviously I, I didn't really. I do agree think parts of a lot of what parts of it do go too far though, like. There are, on both sides of the spectrum, on the left and the right, you do get people that are going too far. And it's just ironic that, like, some people on the left think that equality and, like, justice means taking people's voices away. I think, like, if everyone should have their own point of view and stuff, but you can't, like, silence people. Like, I don't know. I, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there are slope. people who conduct themselves badly, and there are people who are just wrong. Uh, on you know in every political movement and every social movement uh, you know yeah I, and, and I thought you know so the idea was about these guys was they were supposed to be kind of taking on the excesses of the left you know of which there, there were some of course mm. um, and so although some of their points I didn't agree with and I thought they were going a bit over the top on sometimes you know they were trying to create a serious and sustained critique of that stuff but these days, if you see what they're up to now, like you say, with, with um, Jordan Peterson was pushing uh, kind of diets, like weird diets. I, I watched that as well. On a scientific I, basis. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think he had the... The Weinstein um, Brothers pushed conspiracy theories. Joe Rogan pushes conspiracy theories. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, they've kind of gone from these people who were, you know, claiming to be trying to have quite a sensible conversation mm. whereas well, i won't say all of them but i think many of them have started turning to other avenues which are quite profitable and which kind of yeah. build a big audience you know and conspiracy Fox. theories do that because people yeah. like you know people are interested in the kind of the out there and the wacky yeah oh, it's, it's it's really really interesting how people that i would never imagine would be so enthusiastic and almost like try and recruit you into their way of thinking really keen you know you say to him look i understand you've got your point of view and it's it could i can't i i can't 100% say that you're wrong but this source this source this source this happening wherever it seems to me that that's generally not the case there might be a few issues with you know it might not be what we think but i don't think it's what you think and then you know these people come out like open your eyes you want to see the truth like you're being like and you just think i don't know maybe we're just bored in general and we've just need something like that to sort of subscribe to because we're so you know yeah i suppose do you know uh, john ronson the i think he was i think he's welsh actually he lives in new york now i believe uh he's a journalist so he did the the he wrote the books the psychopath test and so you've been publicly shamed uh, he's, he's quite good actually you like his stuff but yeah, he, he's he's interested in conspiracy theories, and I think some of them have got to be like, true. Some of them have to be true, though. Well, so what he was saying was that what makes conspiracy is that there's always a kernel of truth in there, or there's something either slightly true or you know slightly believable in them. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, of course, you can say that you know some some kind of theories about you know, especially about kind of state actions, which are quite shadowy. But Some things which may have been considered conspiracy theories because, you know, information about the true nature of those phenomena was suppressed. 
then then sometimes it does turn out that you know governments do hide things. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the governments do have secrets. So so there you know there are going to be some conspiracy theories which which come true. Um, I mean I and I really have no idea you know how you tell what's, what is uh, the what's the conspiracy theory that you think is the could be the most true not that you saying it is but the thing that's the most plausible so with basically no knowledge of the case <laughs> with my you know my knowledge of all these conspiracies because i just i'm just not interested in them really yeah uh, i'm you know i'm interested in the mundane not like the you're, spectacular. you're on the payroll <laughs> they've got to you they've got but but I think uh, yeah I, I guess you know when I used to hear about the Kennedy assassination mm. yeah I, think I, mean, I never looked into it but I always thought well it could be plausible that they framed someone <laughs> right you know it could be plausible that how would you feel if people knew you for the uh, if people like like thought of you now as the uh, the grassy knoll conspiracy guy that believes. <laughs> Yeah, there you all go. those I'll years and years of academia just down the drain. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like I say, I, I is it, I'm not saying I, be, I believe that someone else uh, shot him. I'm just saying that you know, I remember when I used to hear, it and it was probably like you know, I was a teenager and I was listening to you know Bill Hicks and stuff, and he used to reference that. And yeah, yeah, I, I guess that maybe this is the way it works for other people. Is they they actually they don't really look into it that much and they just have a surface level of knowledge and yeah but like you said like there's years community people around it to kind of you know give them <sighs> like the answers to arguments without them having to yeah. look into it themselves so you know like the flat earth community i guess is what, an example of that they have the same answers for every critique with with basically no evidence yeah i it's scary it's really really scary how like that, that's the world we live in. Like one person that's enthusiastic enough can make everyone else in the world think the world is flat. It's crazy. So let's try and veer out of that dangerous territory of conspiracy theories. We don't want, we don't want you lumped in with uh, people that are known for that. So um, yeah, the government's response, and because it's, it's, I almost forgot for a second that we we're in this coronavirus lockdown, and it was nice. I completely forgot for a minute, you know, because like I've been avoiding watching the news, um, and I've just got used to staying at home. Like, so, uh, what's life like for you at the moment, like with the the restrictions and everything like that? Obviously, I'm in Wales for people listening, and Jackson, England, and we've got some differences there. Maybe you wanted to weigh in and sort of give your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, well, I think I'm. Uh... Okay, maybe I've uh, maybe I'm a bit behind on the news, but I don't think I'm allowed in Wales anymore, am I? No, you're not. <laughs> the English have been banned. In fact, I think not allowed to like, walk on your hills or. What I might do with your... is uh, I might just jump over. I, this should work. There we go. I don't, Jack probably can't see this. Can you? No. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, so you can yeah. just uh, explain to me what you can see. So, like, is it, this is a Wales Online article, and it says border border patrol. The police officers tasked with stopping people coming from England into Wales. Gwen police yeah. will not, will be carrying out journey checks near the Welsh border this bank holiday weekend. That's a, first of all, right? We're back. We're both on screen now. Bank holiday weekend doesn't mean anything. Like we're all like in this weird limbo lockdown thing. So I don't even know why people are saying bank holiday weekend. It's not like does to me nothing has changed. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or a bank holiday. Am I weird for that? For thinking, like, why you even mentioned the bank holiday? Well, some people still work, don't they? 
I yeah. guess, you know, some people have gone back to work this week, haven't they? So. Yeah, I'm probably just being a bit weird about it. So, and then it says, uh, police and Wales have certainly had to adapt their approach since lockdown began. In recent weeks, Gwen Police, along with Wales's three other police forces, have been at the forefront trying to stop people making unnecessary journeys since lockdown restrictions kicked in. Um, there we go, just scroll down a bit. It says... Inspector Williams said uh, reports from local residents suggested a number of people from outside the county had been seen in the area that day, somewhere in Wales. Um, um, and then uh, during an hour-long operation, officers stopped over 60 cars on the A466. One person had driven from Hereford to walk their dogs while another was on the way to a fishing trip. And uh, from what I can tell in Wales... Yeah, in Wales, the advice is to stay at home and, you know, not even for exercise. I think they've given some uh, some amendments or whatever if, uh, for, um, you know, if you're disabled or you got sp specific things like that. But yeah, they, all, these these, all these pictures are of uh, police stopping people and finding them and, you know, turning them around, sending them home, which has caused a bit of a... Bit, but I mean... What do you think about that? So, like, if you live in England, and I know you wouldn't have done this, but you live in England, you're allowed to go out. You're allowed to go out for, like, exercise more than once a day. And you're allowed to meet other people, as long as it's only one. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, and you're allowed to travel anywhere you want. For Not just for work, just if you want mm -hmm. to travel. Yeah, so... Um, do you think it's unfair for people in England to be treated like this if they drive over to Wales where the rules are different or um, I mean I just, I just think it's a, a, a kind of unfortunate consequence of a bizarre situation in which you know one jurisdiction is no longer acting as one I mean obviously you know Wales does have uh, some level of devolution so you know. I, I live here right and everyone i know watches uh bbc news westminster politicians giving out mm. all this advice and they take it as gospel and then other people say oh yeah by the way you know and loads of people don't really and i think a lot of people i would say a crazy amount of people like 60 70 percent don't realize that some legislation is made through the assembly and that wales have devolved powers yeah, quite quite possibly, I guess. Um, I mean, you know, how much do people actually pay attention to politics? Probably not loads, because until it uh, suits them, I'd say the majority of people don't really have uh, don't really have enough interest in politics to kind of think about it deeply. Um, so you know, in terms of the messaging stuff, like I guess an example was when you know, so when the England. <laughs> when I was about to say the English government, when the UK government, uh, speaking on behalf of England, mm. <laughs> came out with the new, you know, stay alert, control the virus, <clears throat> save lives uh, mantra, it is called a mantra. So when they came out with, with that messaging, um, you know, everyone found it quite confusing. Um, but then actually, I, I, after a few days, I read the document that the government published. It was quite a long document, I think, probably 30-something pages. But it was actually a lot more clear. And I was just thinking, how many people are going to read this document? I mean, yeah, if you, if you actually take the time to kind of sit down and kind of read through it, then actually 
you know, is more well thought through than some people giving the government credit for. So but, how, how much, how many people know that? <laughs> and how, how are they going to find it out if they're not going to read a government document? Yeah. And how important is it? So how important is it? Are we as citizens of the UK, uh, are we meant to go and look and investigate, find the document, read the document, or is it on politicians to be clear with their messaging and deliver, you know, a clear message? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd say this is where I think, you know, you should be driven by knowledge, you know, so evidence, basically, of how people react to this stuff. You know, if you've got a, a very highly educated population, if you have enough time to do this stuff, and if you have a reasonable, um, if you reasonably believe that the, the vast majority of them are going to access documents like that and are going to understand it, then do put most of that information in the document. However, if the evidence suggests that people aren't going to do that, then don't do it <laughs> and, and, you know, communicate it in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, I think they know this. And there's a lot of, the, at the moment, the government are trying to kind of responsibilize the public, right? Be like, you know, you're yes. responsible for everything that so happens. Did you but see actually, there's a kind of unrealistic expectation about how much information people can take in and whether they even know where to access the information. Exactly. And like, I've, like obviously I'm a visual person. Like I, I got, I studied a BA in uh, documentary, uh, a BA in photography and MA in documentary photography. Um, and part of that is uh, you learn a lot about semiotics and like the way that like images are presented to you and like the color theory and, you know, like some basic sort of basic building blocks of PR and, um, you know, like how people sell stuff. So like, you know, if you have, and, and it was really amazing because I saw a guy get, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, a PR expert, a guy from a big uh, PR firm broke down the messaging of the Mark II lockdown stuff. Um, and, he, and he was just breaking it down. He was just like, right, so first of all, the government have changed the yellow and red to yellow and green. Green being, you know, everyone knows green is okay, you know, or safe. Uh, Go. And yeah. yeah and Go red outside. is safe. And he said... <laughs> stay alert alert is an energizing active word you can't like be alert passively so it's like you are you you are doing stuff to be alert you are being alert is the doing you know what i mean so stay at home is stop don't do anything stay at home stay alert is encouraging people to sort of energize activate go out and be alert and it, and then you know he broke it down and you're like yeah i knew this all along but it was really i thought maybe it was a good way to share with people who might because you know i studied it for years semiotics and the way that people use images and you know colors together and stuff like that and like it does have it does work that's why advertising works that's why pr firms make so much money because they literally hypnotize people that sounds a bit much but you know like they basically it works it's, it's suggestive and uh, you know they're basically trying to sort of it seems like they're just trying to sort of make everyone sort of do whatever they want and then they can deflect from responsibility then they can say you know well no we didn't mean that we meant um you know we meant something different but if it got confused in the pipeline that's not on us because it i don't know if you've seen the scenes of brighton and um like not just literally just beaches and parks full of hundreds of people there was like loads of memes on Twitter and stuff where people were taking pictures of Welsh beaches 
and English beaches. English beaches had like hundreds of people on them. Which you seem there an issue about the uh, wasn't there a photography issue which came up with that which was the kind of lens people were using was making people seem closer together. Than yeah, yeah, were. for sure. So like if you have a telephoto lens, you squash stuff together. So like if you have two, if you look in, if you're side onto someone, and you have like person, person, person. Oh, I've run out of screen, but like, and then you just turn you turn the angle like that, you'll have they'll look closer. So. Mm. It's gross. Like, everyone just seems to be trying to make a, you know, trying to play. Like, I think it's a serious thing. A lot of people that don't think it's a serious thing say the media are hyping it up and hamming it up and playing on fear and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. Like, what do you think about this, you know, the lockdown Mark II messaging? Don't you think that it's a bit vague and it's kind of encouraging people? In a way, it's kind of encouraging. It's encouraging people to go out and uh, not stay home, not sort of mingle. Yeah, well, I don't really know what they wanted exactly. Um, I think there, I guess this is the result of them being under a few competing pressures because there's a part of the Conservative Party and a part of the right wing press who have been very critical of the lockdown for the vast majority of it. Um, so I think they're under pressure from those people to to end it because. Uh, for various reasons, but obviously the biggest one Maybe. being concern about whether the economy will stall under the pressures of the lockdown. Um, so, so I guess they wanted people to go, go back to that. But I think also there's also other pressures in the Conservative Party <laughs> where lots of them want, wanted the lockdown to continue in a more stringent form. So I think in the end, you've got a kind of a bit of a mixture of the two. Um, I mean the messaging. I don't. When you know, when I first saw the messaging, I kind of understand stay alert. I didn't think it. I, you know, as much as I kind of understood it, I didn't really think that most people would feel it was that clear. Just because you're going from such a clear message of stay home, which is one action, and then stay alert is is like you know, you know, what does that mean in terms of being alert in terms of virus? You know, what they mean is continue to social distance. Mm. continue to remember all the things we've told you. Right? I think that's just like, basically what they meant. <laughs> stay distant. Um, like, stay distant. Or, you know, like, it just, it's, yeah. not, it's not clear enough. Yeah, I think in France they had kind of stay prudent, which I think was a bit better. Kind of similar similar message, but was a bit better. Oui, oui. Um, because, it, I mean, I think just the term was more accurate. It probably translates that. in French different as well, I imagine. Yeah, I mean it. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of similar to kind of prudence, you know, just being, you know, just uh, you know, think um, about what you're doing, basically, and uh, and and so. But then, yeah, the next bit, control the virus. It's like, well, there is no control. Scientists it, can't control it. The best people <laughs> in the world can't can put a control on it. The only way you can do that is by keeping it separate. It's just bananas. Yeah, so I think now you know a lot of it was meaningless, and I think I sent you a link um, earlier. What on about... the dark web or on the? Uh... No, it was about the. <laughs> I think it was the YouGov uh, link. So they did. Yeah, some we got a polling. link there. So like, um, uh, right. What I might do is I might just switch over. Bear with us. So I've got that link up right now. Um, so yeah, this is YouGov. Um, you you know what we're looking at don't you jack so you can yeah, I've got, got it up now, you yeah. got it up as well so like 
This is the UGov uh, COVID-19 latest public opinion. I'm on the same link that you sent me over if you want to walk us through, Jack. All right, so, well, yeah, just go down to the how do Britons feel about the changes. Uh, so you've got some graphs there. Yeah. Um, and so so this is the new lockdown measures. Um, it says the UK government have made some modifications to the lockdown rules in England. Do you support or oppose these changes? Um, two, sec- and- two seconds. We're, we're, I've gone down to uh, how do Britons feel about the changes? Yeah, yeah, so there's a yeah. graph underneath that. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be like four different yep. um, bar graphs. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, basically you can see that, um, so the graph on the left is the general population. And so the uh, the most people uh, from that sample, so 49% oppose it and only 36% support it. So, you know, whereas whereas people were very, very supportive of the initial lockdown, uh, the support went right down. Um, I think the interesting thing about this one, let's see if, um, I hope you know, I've, sent you, I've sent you the right link. I think it's the right one. Yeah, because I've, um, I've just seen these four bar charts yet. What's interesting is the second bar chart along, well, I don't know if it's surprising or not, but hmm. the 58% of the people, like, conser- out of, uh, like, the conservative voters, 58% of them supported the lockdown measures. But the majority... So how much of this is political and how much of this is, like, you know, not political? Yeah. It's- There's a partisan effects there, clearly. Um, but, yeah, so, so you've got that, but then... I, I, uh, then I suppose that the, to me the interesting bit is if you go down to the next section where it says some changes are more popular than, than others. How far? Um, quite far down? Yeah, go a bit further. It's to the next section. Graphs or? Some, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. more graphs. Yeah, yeah. Blue, red and yellow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually you can see there that when people were told about the individual policies, although most people didn't support the new overall policy, the individual policies pretty popular overall um so you can kind of see because they apply how high to people. the scores are for allowing people to exercise more than once a day yeah. uh, it's actually very popular for all you know different parties voters um and and so a lot of those are actually so individual policies are popular but the overall policy change wasn't yeah and i think that kind of points to that idea about you know do people really know what the individual policies are and um, if people understood would the changes be more popular mm. yeah but and this is like and this is actually if you think back to like you know um the the other example i can think of this is like the labor policy program you know when you when when people were polled on whether they thought the labor manifesto was good or shit they said it was shit yeah and then but, but when they the individual they policies yeah, they like the individual policies, but you know there was something about it together they didn't like. Whether and whether that was that they didn't know that the manifesto, you know, whether they didn't know it or whether they thought the policies together were too much. But there's two different interpretations of that. But. Yeah, and so what? Like, what is also interesting is that, like, basically, if you don't like one thing but you like other things, the thing that you don't like will probably override your overall action. It seems, or your overall opinion. Yeah, it's but it's possible. I don't. I don't think you can understand whether that's the case from just the polling results because you know polling is a pretty blunt instrument. It just asks you to. Have you know. ever been polled? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I um, I do like. I've got 
uh, an account with YouGov. So you just can you can sign up for an account on that and then yeah. just do polls when you want. Because I was to. I always thought like who's got time? I I thought people with with clipboards in the street stopping you, and every time that happens to me, I'm I'm generally busy. So I thought like who are these people that are stopping to give polling answers? But that's not how it's done, obviously. I think yeah, in the last few years they've they've moved to online now most of the time. There's still some survey companies which do telephone surveys, mm. uh, but a lot of them have moved online. You can get much bigger samples. The samples can be a little bit problematic because you know you're selecting people who are online a lot and are the kind of people who'd sign up for a YouGov account. Uh, which is more likely to be someone like me than some other people, maybe. Um, yeah. But, you know, they are supposed to kind of factor that in and, and kind of weight the responses. Um, um, so another news story today. We Like, I, I, I don't really know much about it, but I know, I think you know more about it than me. But um, the Dominic Cummins, the chief aide to the Prime Minister, has been caught breaking lockdown rules. Um, yeah. Yeah, walk me through that one. All right. So <laughs> this morning when I heard about it, you know, I kind of heard that he'd broken lockdown. I was like, well, you know, I'm not particularly um, particularly surprised. And, you know, I thought basically, well, it's him. There'll be a bit of a kerfuffle. He'll have an excuse and no one will be able to prove whether it's right or wrong or not. And, uh, and then, you know, it'll kind of blow over uh, in the next few days. Uh, but then I was listening to the radio this morning and the excuses they were using were just horrendous and, and actually pretty offensive. And so I went from being like, oh, you know, whatever, to being like furious. <laughs> and um, so basically what he did, so him and his wife, I think she's his wife, um, the mother of his child. So they basically both got coronavirus in April. Um, I, I'm not, I, I don't know all the details of the story, but from what I gather, she was sick with it, and then he started to get symptoms as well. Um, and kind of in this middle stage where she was kind of getting over her symptoms and he was starting to get some, they decided to drive to Durham um, for the, the stated reason is because they were worried that if he got really sick, they wouldn't be able to look after their child. And so they drove to his old elderly parents' house Putting them at risk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, think, I, I guess they said maybe they were saying that his sister was supposed to look after the kid or something. I don't know. Mm. But so there was a claim of like distancing there because they said, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, man of the people he is. Uh, his parents have uh, have like <laughs> a, an extension in the garden or something. Mm. And uh, Duck pond, but, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, so far, you know, it's it's a bad excuse because, you know, you'll have millions of people over the country who did get sick. People have died yeah. alone because they haven't been able to socialise with people and people have gone yeah. into hospital and not been able to say goodbye to their loved ones. And it's, it's just a big middle finger to all of those. It's a big middle finger to the NHS staff who don't see their toddlers and two, three-year-olds because they're worried mm. about bringing the virus home to them. It's just a big fuck you to them, isn't it? But I think the message is confusing as well because there will be lots of people and there will be lots of people in the future, uh, parents, who get sick and previously were told everyone in your household has to be isolated. 
and yet they've taken an almost 300 mile trip <laughs> to uh, you know elderly people's uh, an elderly person's house um yeah so you know people be be like well and this ha- this, this happened to me as well you know i have two kids and and i got sick uh, pretty early on uh, the week before lockdown started um i didn't cross my mind to go and take my kids to wouldn't you worry about my your parents, parents? no wouldn't you worry about your parents well yeah yeah, yeah. i would worry about my parents more than me because i'm yeah. not in an at-risk category and i'm assuming i i know i guess this this would be the only time that's okay to do this if they are in an at-risk category and have reason to believe that they will be affected badly uh they haven't claimed that so far but that would be something which might be a reasonable excuse so anyway, I, I think that's basically the important information. Uh, but the knock-on but, effect uh, of that is going to be that people are going to just... I I think since VE Day, VE Day, I've never seen so much... Like, people in the street having parties, doing stuff, just didn't care. That was it. Like, lockdown has officially been postponed for VE Day. Which, by the way, I thought, this is weird, because no one makes a big, like as big a deal of VE Day like they do now. Doesn't seem... Maybe that's just me, but it just seems like, you know, I don't know, like people were having street parties and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, I don't remember people having street parties for V-Day before. It's weird. It's just like any excuse to break lockdown. And then I saw some uh, posts from people I know that work in the NHS and they said, ah, thanks guys. Everything was going great. Now A&E is absolutely chock-a-block. We've done like 15 MRIs today and plastered like 10 or 15 limbs. Just undo it. It's like... It seems it seems like all that hard work of social distancing has just been undone with one big event like that, and then and then it gets watered down, like vague messaging that's not being direct from lockdown mark two. So I guess I know, and I hope I'm wrong, and I could be wrong, but people that know what they're talking about are saying like this is bad news. We could be in for a huge second peak. So I'm treating it just I'm treating it more dangerous than the original outbreak at the moment because you know it's, all the data is two weeks behind i just yeah i just think like what you like people are obviously asking uh dominic cummins to resign like bearing in mind i think uh one of those uh scientific advisors broke lockdown and he resigned mm-hmm. like is it, can you think of any reason why you shouldn't uh i can think of reasons why he won't <laughs> but I mean, uh, uh, you know, if if someone's re- resigning, um, it's the right thing to you do. Know, when will someone resign? I, I guess it is when you know the employer basically thinks their position becomes untenable because they're gaining so much bad press for the government that they're making the government's actions seem illegitimate. And I, I, I think it's not. <laughs> if you saw some of the responses. Uh, to this today so i think it was michael gove matt hancock suella Bra- uh, braverman i think her name is um and a couple of other um conservative mps uh you know, some of them quite high up as well and so they basically all came out with this you know they're pretty on message they kind of retweeted the same uh kind of journalist story and they all said you know something along the lines of oh, it's not a crime to care for your wife and child or something like that. Um, 
And I think they've just really shot themselves in the foot because, you know, I think they should have just let it play out and let him fall on his sword. But and you know what's happened this evening? I don't know how up to date no, you are with no, the story. No. So they all came out, strongly defended him, you know, basically being like, this was a good exception for lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. You know, which is kind of clearly bollocks yeah. <laughs> because no one, knew, no one else knew that that was a good exception. So if people don't know, then it's, it's not... An obvious exception. But anyway, but, uh, that's by the by. But I think they really shot themselves in the foot because one, they were clearly out of set with the mood of most people, I think. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going by social media, which, yeah, you know, left you know, all, you know, kind of, yeah, you know, but I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I get, I do get a sense of what other people are saying as well, but, but yeah, Twitter's not the best place to understand. I think they've done some polling as well, which I think it's like two thirds of people uh, didn't think it was a, he had a good excuse to go out. So I think they misread the mood of the public. And then secondly, so all these people came out and kind of you know defended him in very strong terms. Guess what's happened? The Mirror had a follow up story up their sleeve. So he went there to Durham with that excuse. Yeah, yeah. He came back to London and then he went to Durham again. <laughs> And so he's spotted in Durham both times. Do you think they knew so that? So they released that they just after all. <laughs> do you think they knew that? Do you think they, they, they kind of... Mirror, anticipated... Yeah, they had the story. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, but they, do you, they were... did they have it at the time of the first story? Did they deliberately not send two of them out together? I'm not sure. I I mean, it was in such quick succession. I, mean, I guess maybe the first story meant that other people came what scares about me? the second one. But what? I mean, it was just so perfect that... that I mean, yeah, I'm... You know, I don't like to uh, exhibit uh, Schadenfreude too much, but you know, I mean, it's lockdown. Like, I can, I can revel in people's misery a little bit, can't I? Yeah. What what, <laughs> what scares me is that he'll probably get away with it. Like, he'll probably they'll probably spin it in a way that's like. Uh... <laughs> well, I think they tried. I think they tried, but I think it's been a bit of a failure. So. I'm not sure. This morning, I thought he would probably hang on, even though you know they disgraced themselves defending him. But now, after this evening, I'm like, I, I can't see why. You know, I don't. But don't you think Boris Johnson? I can't imagine. You know, the thought processes they're going through to try and justify keeping him on. I mean, obviously, the justification is that uh, he is an essential part of the Tim Downing Street operation at the moment yeah no but like um i don't know have you seen the thick of it yeah yeah like i after watching that show i'm like ah maybe he's just got low like this is bordering into like conspiracy theory territory now but like when you have someone like that behind the scenes doing all this stuff and they mess up horrendously but they'll probably stick around you think ah well is that this is probably definitely conspiracy theory territory, but is is it the case that like he's got enough stuff on everyone to sort of just really cause a lot of problems for everyone? Is that just is that a wild imagination going crazy, or do people like that I, generally? I guess so. I don't know. It's possible. I, I don't really know if he's the type. You know, he's he he hates the press. Mm. <laughs> he's he's someone who would much rather. I think he would. Do you talk see that about BBC footage of him running away? Huh. Did you see that BBC clip of him running uh, away? They, uh, had, they had cameras rolling for like a, a press conference or something, and he, he 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 messed up, and they just seen him like running with his coat, and he sees the camera, I, and he just goes. I think it Shit. was just after 
they confirmed that Boris Johnson had coronavirus yeah. and then you just saw him dashing out of 10 Downing Street. Yeah, like, walk. It's probably way better for PR, like, if you just walk. If you run, yeah, it looks like, I don't know. Well, I think he doesn't care about PR. So I, I think, you know, he, basically, obviously, obviously. his idea is that people actually don't care about uh, media presentations of people anymore. Like what you were saying at the beginning, right, about how people aren't really that enamoured with the way the press deal with things. And I think, you know, he's kind of has thoughts along the same lines of that, which is actually that stuff matters much less than it used to. And the strategy they used to deal with it is a kind of, you know, a bit of a scorched earth policy where you don't care about upsetting journalists and you don't care about the the old protocols. I guess I don't want to say it's Trumpian. I was just about to say Similar. that. I was just going to say, yeah, it is literally like it seems to be following that in that in that in that path, you know, like. Yeah, it's very similar. So, so I don't know whether he would kind of run to the press and use a system which he despises to get back at people. However, he he does have a blog, so oh, I right. think he would have other means of complaining about people. And I doubt he would hold back if he was if he had any. Yeah, and don't you, don't you think that they might be like shitting themselves a little bit? Which is why they probably came out and I don't know. Like I, I don't know. They, I don't know enough about politics. I just know that there's probably leverage on you know people and I don't know. I, I, I you must at that echelon, that top level of like politics, like where one thing you've done in your past could just bury you. Like and I, he's the communications advisor, right? Is that right? Or is he like uh, just a chief special advisor? advisor I would yeah. say I'm, I'm not sure. Was, um, I thought it was yeah, their the communications job. advisor might be the right term. I thought it was their job to kind of be aware of all these problems before they pop up, so that they could like put them out. But yeah, unfortunately, I think that what's going to happen is that um, nothing will change. They'll carry on, and uh, there won't there won't be any sort of actions taken, and and you know, people are probably just. Well, Pretty Patel managed to cling on after the scandal about bullying. I guess there was insufficient evidence in the end. Uh, or, no, but or, people, so you, they say, you'll give them evidence and people say, well, I don't believe it. That's from this source. It's, I don't believe that paper or I don't believe this person. It's just weird, selective, like, it's just a horrible time. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, to, I'm talking about evidence which is presented to like the House of Commons or, or yeah. something like that. You know, so for, in, for internal investigations rather than the court of public opinion. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a horrible time. So like you're still working at the moment and um, nothing's really changing for you. You still. Um, I mean, it's changed in the sense that, um, you know, because I work in university and so now we are not doing, we're not using classrooms anymore. We are delivering everything online. So I've just delivered a, a module over three weeks on my intensive modules. And yeah, we did that through, uh, like Cisco WebEx, which is another video conferencing app, which basically looks exactly like Zoom, but it's meant to be more secure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's what what I've been doing really is just uh, getting on with things, but doing it at home with all the distractions of yeah. home life and childcare. So yeah. yeah, I'm basically working half half a day every day. Yeah. What so. Um... What do you think we've got in store for us for the next couple of weeks? Do you think it's just going to be sort of uh, 
flying by the seat of your pants stuff where like someone will come out and make a press conference and just make stuff up and then the whole country will scramble around and or ever or do you think do you think we're kind of getting out of the woods with this or do you think we're like what what do you think i don't even know what to think anymore i don't even watch the news because i can't handle it it's just so uh there's so much going on and i don't and it all seems absolutely crazy and like terrible terrible ideas i just i have to just stay away from it for a bit for a bit keep to myself yeah i mean i don't know i, I don't know if i can answer that because obviously i have really no expertise expertise in no 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 i'm not asking and, you as uh, an academic i'm just asking you as a person like how you know you're you've got a family to to look after and you're obviously working and things are up in the air like do you think it's is it a safe bet to just be like do you know what i don't know anything and we'll just take each day as it comes or do you have any kind of outlook on it or yeah, I mean, I guess my, my general view is that, so we're thinking about how the government has dealt with, you know, implementing a lockdown and then trying to ease us out of it and expecting a second wave. And, you know, so the, the justification behind it to kind of um, mitigate the pressures on ICUs. Um, I think the the ideas behind the strategy are kind of, broadly correct um unfortunately i just think we were completely unprepared and therefore the strategy couldn't work because but we could have been we, prepared though right like oh yeah we, we could have been yeah, yeah 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 so so i think yeah the, the main problems are was like that the government were not particularly alert to the threat and so we're probably a week or so maybe too too late um, to really start getting things ready, um, but also that we would, you know, uh, you know, the government has just been, and you know, the civil service and local government have just been gutted for the last ten years from austerity, and and you know, the 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 kind of plans we had uh, for preparation for pandemics, uh, none of the rec, well, not none, but a lot of the recommendations from what I heard, weren't followed. There was a great piece in the, in the Sunday Times. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if you saw it. Uh, but yeah, in the Sunday Times a few weeks back, they had a really good article. I saw an article about, about a warehouse supply just being run down gradually for like 10 years and not being replaced. Yeah. But the, the, what worries all, me... Yeah, all kinds of stuff going on with that. And so, you know, our stocks of PPE, the fact, you know, we were sending shipments of PPE out to, you know, other countries... At the, at the beginning of the, the public health emergency, so, you know, the WHO declared it a public health emergency um, on the 30th of January. Hmm. And so they told any country who was affected to start taking actions. And it's, we had our first case by then. It's pretty bleak because I think, you know, there is definitely... I, I'm really sick of hearing... I think uh, we'll leading health organizations and experts and scientists have said this is a huge problem act now people haven't and our death rate is like well i don't even know i'm not even going to say anything about that because we can't even trust the data at the moment there's so many like indiscrepant like there's so many problems with it but it's if if it does seem if it is how it seems then it looks like um our government has made some serious serious mistakes and they haven't dealt with it in, in the right way and there's a lot of people missing family members that might not have and i know people are going to say you know well 
you know, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible thing and people are going to die. So you can't blame it on the government, but I think we can maybe ask questions at least and say, well, why didn't we act? Why did Cheltenham uh, Festival go ahead? Why didn't you act? Why did Ireland back? Like, why have we still like allowed flights into the country without any quarantine measures for like months until like last week or wherever? Like, yeah, there might be good reasons for them. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not in a lynch mob to sort of say, I'm, you know, but I think people should be very, um, people should want some answers and some serious questions asked. And I'm just really sick of people. Uh, with the response of they're doing their best they can it was a comedian that said that's what you say to like you know an under 10s football team not the government <laughs> like they're doing the best they can You're like well no someone else should take over then like i don't know it, i just i'm really disappointed and it seems to be it seems to be political it seems to be the sort of pro-brexit thing the like the talk the conservative voters in general it seems to be just like no, no, we can't find anything wrong with them. It's either they're doing a good job or leave them alone. It's, they're having a tough time. Or like, there's always an excuse. Like, when will it stop? Like, because I don't care who's in government. Like, I'm not really aligned to a particular party. I would ne never vote Conservative, never will, probably. But uh, you, whoever is in government, when they make mistakes so drastic, and we have, like, the third highest death rate in Europe, if the statistics are right, then oh, they need they need we're at the top aren't we now <laughs> i know but in i mean yeah. the, the argument for that is that you like the statistics some have been double counted and stuff like that but i mean that's a criticism in its own like why can't we get our statistics right why can't we just count tests properly like i i'm willing to give some you know leeway on on that it is an emergency and stuff but there's definitely we have definitely not handled it in any, even an okay way like yeah i think you know i think definitely the the death rate is the thing which and um, yeah i mean i could it's hard talk to all day about i could talk all day about the differences in statistics but but yeah i mean there are differences in in how it's recorded countries count different things but the death rate is it, it's not that there's no counting issues with death rates but but there, there are fewer issues with counting death rates because you can kind of broadly see the difference between the death rate this year compared to last year. Yeah, that's time. what I thought, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, we we do have a kind of a pretty good idea of how it's affected people. We, and we know that our death rate is very high. So, yeah, and that, that kind of stuff is, although it's true that there are counting issues, uh, you know, kind of comparatively across different countries, um, I don't think it's uh, it's not a good defence <laughs> for the death rate, at least. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about whether, you know, whether this was the right time for the lockdown to end, I mean, I just thought the death rate was still way too high to start changing things. Uh, Schools. Uh, significantly. Yeah. Um, my wife's a teacher. She's just graced us with a presence then in the uh, floating past behind me um i i don't even know what to say like i'm like in wales it seems like they're taking the approach of uh yeah we can't really figure this out safely so it's probably not going to happen until it is safe mm -hmm. england and i think scotland and northern ireland have already come out and said that it's not going to happen before september i think i might be wrong um i could be fake news but i'm pretty sure that they that's the sort of uh that's their general feeling on it and stuff. But I mean, 
uh, and this is probably a criticism of the press as well, but I mean, in England, I think the press came out with these stories of uh, Super Monday and Happy Monday and things are going back to normal and like schools will be open. Schools could be open from uh, June the 1st or July the 1st. And then people have got carried away and they've got, got this date in their head. And obviously, I mean, you've got two kids at home. It's obviously stressful working and juggling it all around. So most other people, I mean, you're probably quite lucky compared to a lot of people with the amount of space. You know, there are obviously people with kids and less space and that are not working. And so, so I empathize with them and stuff like that. But sending the kids to school where like all the adults, where you can't socially distance them and the adults that work in the school, some of them, some of them ha look after elderly parents. Some of them have like, some of them live with like cancer patients in, in treatment. They live with people that if they go to school with 36 year olds dribbling all over each other and sharing pens and paper and stuff, if they bring that coronavirus back with them, then there are people that are going to get hurt and people just don't give a shit. People are like, I'm fed up. I want to send my kids to school. Enough's enough. We can't, we can't go on forever. That's my favorite one. We can't go on like this forever. And I just think it's being politicized, especially by the media as well. But did you see the article in, uh, I think it was the mail where they were, they were saying, um, please uh, help our teachers be heroes too. Like likening them yeah, to yeah, NHS yeah. workers. And, and some, one of the photographer friends of mine um, on, a, on a photographer group found the stock image that they used and they had cropped a black child out. Maybe that's yeah. a weird coincidence, but I just thought like, I just thought like, who is, because I, I thought the first time I saw that picture, I thought, who is this teacher and would she be happy to be on the front page of the Daily Mail supporting going back to school? And obviously no, it's a stock picture. She's just, it's just been submitted to a library. But I mean, what's your take on the schools? Um, Send them back. Yeah, I, mean, I guess it's the, the same as the rest of the lockdown, really. So, you know, obviously the, the restrictions have been partially lifted because there is probably quite a fair concern that if we don't start getting people back to work, you know, if your lockdown is too long, then people will start to lose their jobs. The government are also paying out the furlough money as well. So mm. um, they might have a kind of fiscal crisis on their hands as well. So, so I get the justification for it. And if you want people to return to work, you need their kids to go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the teachers you know, can just die. Like, if if you want to relax things, schools have to be part of that picture, don't they? Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they they will be implicated in the second wave. So, and, and I guess that you know, for the government, they're worried about you know what will they get blamed for more? You know, yeah. What, what and will look people, worse for them in the end <laughs> is is have... the economy crashing. Or there being a kind of high spike, uh, you know, more teachers dying. I, I think they've got they've got away with not being blamed too much for the first spike because they've put it in people's hands, haven't they? They've made it so vague. They've basically mm. kind of gone, oh, we'll go with herd immunity. Oh no, the public don't like that. Okay, we'll be really, really vague and really wishy washy, and then people will end up doing what they want anyway, and then it'll be herd immunity anyway. But it's their fault, not ours. They're like dissolving themselves of responsibility. Yeah, they've been given the benefit of the doubt, I think, for a, probably a few different reasons. Um, part part of it probably is because they're still in their kind of, you know, early government honeymoon period. Um, and the Brexit thing, I think, is still a big kind of fault line. And 
Yeah, they were they were they weren't even willing to put it on hold, were they? They were saying, nope, it's going through no matter what. That's it. And people saying, you know, like we got a crisis on our hands, like thousands of people dying, like no PPE, and they were like, nope, it's fine. We got it under control. Brexit's under control. It's happening, and you just, yeah, it's just silly. I don't know. So we haven't talked about music yet. No. As much as I love talking about the lockdown. Mm. I hope they don't send kids back to school because I'm worried about my wife who's a teacher and I don't want her to die. And I think people forget that. People forget that, you know, that as much as they might be going through tearing their hair out at home with kids that are bored or not listening or restless and whatever, like, it doesn't justify, not even just the teachers, but the teachers, the catering staff, the these elderly people that go in and help with reading with kids and stuff like that, they're all going to be put at risk and their family at home. So that's my take on it. And yeah, I don't have kids. So, you know, people can turn around and say, yeah, but you don't have kids. If I had kids, I wouldn't even want them going to school because I wouldn't want them to get sick. Segway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just think about the people that you're sending them into. Or why don't we just have like a, why don't we just take all the people that are desperate to go back to work, stick them in the schools, and let like thirty-six-year-olds like clamber all over them and dribble all over them and cough and sneeze and flick snot everywhere, and just let them deal with it, and just be like, there we go, and let them take the fall. Obviously, that's a romantic idea; they'll never be put into practice. But why not? I don't know. Music. But yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Well, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we've we've done the lockdown now. Um, I know. I try not. I try not to talk about it, but I end up just like I said. Like you brought that Dominic just before we came on. You mentioned the Dominic coming in, uh, Dominic coming thing, and I went, "What?" And uh, yeah, that just got me wound up a bit. And I was like, "Oh, I, yeah. I was finding out from you. Really, I didn't really know that much about it until we just talked about it just then." So, yeah, it's uh, pretty infuriating. Yeah, so what music have you been listening to lately? Um, well, I don't know, but I made a lockdown playlist, which I can share with you. You can? You should, um, well, I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll make a, um, if you make it collaborative, or you can copy it and make it collaborative, I'll uh, share the link in the podcast description and the YouTube description, and then people can uh, add to it. Oh, I could do, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I I made it collaborative with, with, with my brother, mm. uh, um, or make so another one we'll it, copy and paste yeah we could yeah we could do another one which which is more appropriate because mm. now 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 that i mention it i'm, I'm kind of embarrassed at some of the songs i've got yes you know when i was just like it was the beginning of lockdown i want i just want some like songs which i know really well from the 90s which yeah. aren't necessarily very good but oh, have i know. joined it i might have joined it i'm just gonna... no oh well, let me let me see let me see um Oh, hang on. This is uh, my awesome podcast planning. I've got some notes here that we might have. Uh, I'm just going to throw them at you, and then uh, if if any if you wanted to bring it up because you've you've mentioned it, but uh, uh, cleaners and like I've got a note here. I'm dyslexic. Read it. Yeah. Cleaner in house and controversial books on shelves. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the books on shelves one because I think it's funny. Okay. Um, the both of this. Uh, both of these, I think, came where they're both related to kind of uh, just uh, Twitter spats, um, which were kind of re- a lot of them were revolving around Owen Jones. 
you know, Rowan Jones, the Guardian. I think everyone's Rowan Jones, isn't he? Yeah, so he basically, the the book one was quite a good one because they, who is it? I think Michael Gove was being interviewed uh, on on something, probably the news. And so you know how, you know, whenever a politician is interviewed, the majority of the time they're standing with a bookshelf behind them, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, there's there's this kind of weird thing about kind of, you know, competitive bookshelf arranging yeah. and, and, and all of that. It's like I see some know, really impressive people ones. just put books on their like windowsill behind them when <laughs> they're talking. And then some of them have like, you know, they look like they're they live in a library or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, so he, I think Michael Gove had a few kind of controversial titles on his shelves. And, and so, as you can imagine, people were kind of on Twitter kind of looking through his bookshelf and being like, oh, you know, why does he have a book by David Irving, you know, the, the Holocaust denier on the shelf? Mm. And, you know, he's got the bell curve, another controversial book in social science. Do you know about the bell curve? I know what a bell curve is, but I don't know what the actual book is about. And the book is just, um, it's basically, it's by a conservative guy called Charles Murray. Mm. It's essentially an argument against welfare. Ah, poor people don't work, they don't earn enough, they're not motivated it's to go out. Like Basically the about the impact of welfare on people. Ah, so you help people to... out and you'll take away their motivation to work. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it's about. But to be honest, I've only I've read a chapter or two from it um, in different contexts, just for like you know for teaching and stuff. Mm. Uh, I've never read the whole thing the way through, but it's it's a book which basically um, causes great. Uh, it's the start of a lot of arguments. Yeah, essentially, um, mm. and lots of people have kind of uh, reviewed it and tried to discredit it. Um, you know, just basically saying the methods aren't good. Anyway, it's, 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 it's kind controversial. of a big deal in social science. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was on his shelf. I think he had one or two other things as well. Um, but yeah, so people were basically being like, you know, how dare he have these books on his shelf? Um, and... oh, he's been pretty <laughs> offensive in general over the last couple of years with his remarks on teachers and nurses and stuff as well. But like, yeah, no, I... It's well, he had uh, he had Cummings uh, was his advisor when he was the education secretary. So yeah. he's always been a fairly combative, uh, combative sort of it's, fellow. It's a topsy turvy world when you start like listening to some conservative MPs and you go, "Yeah, can you have a word with the rest of them?" Like, uh, did you see? Oh, I know Michael Gove, uh, the health secretary. No, that's Matt Hancock. Who was the health secretary before him? Jeremy Hunt. Yeah. Everyone hated that guy. He was like the most hated guy forever. And he was on a Channel 4 interview and they were like, are you worried? And he literally looked like he'd seen a ghost. And he was he, he was just, he looked a mess. And uh, he was very cautiously raising some concerns on Channel 4 as well. And you were thinking, Jesus, like crazy. Yeah, well, I suppose he was quite different to, you know, he was one of Johnson's competitors in the in the leadership race, wasn't he? Mm. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, some of them aren't quite as bad as the others. Uh, yeah, so bookshelf, do you have any controversial books on your shelf? No, although um, a, good friend, you... a good friend of mine, Adele, she gets rid of her shitty books that she doesn't want and gives them to me, so I get to put them on my shelf 
and it looks like I read, but I don't. And I think the last one, I think the last one that she gave me was um, "Happy Naked Girls," and Adele's a very fierce feminist. Big shout out to Adele. You know Adele, don't you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, yeah, she's a, a fierce feminist, and um, yeah, like I I don't know what the book's about. It's so it's fem. I don't know. I think it, it was a photography book, and some guy took pictures of naked girls, and I was like, a bit taken aback. I haven't looked at it, but it's uh, a guy who went travelling and just sort of uh, met people. I might be butchering this. I probably need, I'm going to just quickly look it up because I really don't want to um, do it injustice. But yeah, uh, no, yeah, I don't. I don't really read to be honest because I'm dyslexic. So I'm more. I, if I'm going to um, read a book. I'm probably more. I'm probably more likely to uh, listen to a book. Yeah. So I bought you two books for your birthday a little while back, didn't I? Ah, I've been through them back to back. Loved it. <laughs> well, it's a good job I'm not sharing my screen right now because I typed in "Happy Naked Girls" and I'm telling you, the book that I was looking for is not the first thing that came up in the search results. Add book, 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 to that. book. book. Yeah. That was crucial, wasn't it? In that search, yeah. the book was. Jeez, right. Yeah, happy new, new York undressed sexy Amazon UK. It is a twisting and turning, longing and laughing. I've never seen so many New York girls so happy to be naked at home. Andrew, so is a guy, mm-hmm. has a special way of bringing out the real hidden sexy side every New York girl next door of out the. So there's, there's a spelling mistake in the actual blurb, which is not a good sign. Um, out of the real hidden sexy side, every New York girl next door. Um, yeah, bit weird. A guy, a guy photographing like potentially hundreds of girls naked in New York. I wouldn't do it. Uh, and Adele gave Did me you not. No, no, because I, I would, I would be. I would be like, oh, what if they got the wrong idea? What if I upset someone? What if it's what if I'm trying to communicate? I wouldn't even bother. It would be so complicated and muddy, and I would feel worried about upsetting someone or them agreeing to something and it not being the thing. I would just be like, no, like not for me, no. Mm. Yeah, I imagine it's not for everyone. I wonder what the uh, gender divide in photography is like. Well, there seems to be. I think there's a lot more male photographers in general from what you can see about but i there's there's loads there are a lot of women about as well um i feel like anything i'm about to say i'm just gonna get lynched for on twitter or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like i do we move on no i mean <laughs> like there are there are there i don't know no i shouldn't i shouldn't i shouldn't like be worried about talking about stuff but yeah there's there's definitely a lot more guys uh, that are photographers, but I think if you're a woman photographer, a lot of people are quite keen to have a woman's perspective on stuff um, mm. because it's different. You know what I mean? Like everyone's, sub- you know, everyone's got a subjective eye and stuff like that, and like, maybe the male gaze has, is a bit boring now. Do you know what I mean? Like it's probably quite cool to get a, a female perspective on stuff. So, yeah, I guess I, I would kind of imagine not knowing that much about it that especially for things like that about kind of representations of women's bodies i would imagine yeah maybe can you imagine um, the flip side of it like look photograph to be honest guys are gross like 
Guys, if, if, if an attractive young photographer said, oh, I'm doing a book project on photographing naked guys, they wouldn't even have to say any more words and the clothes would be off. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure. So it's more impressive if, a, if a, the other way around. I wouldn't do it, though. So if that's the most controversial book, that, that's pretty good. Like, um, Amy's dad has a mind camp on his, uh, on his shelf. Oh, yeah. Well, as a historian... Yeah, he's he's like a you know he's a proper socialist. So he's I think he likes to either he is well read or he likes to think of himself as well read and the kind of person who would read <laughs> kind of controversial books. Like, this is this is why I thought the the kind of the hoo ha about it was, was kind of funny just because I know people who are quite proud of having controversial books and stuff they definitely don't agree with, but kind of proud of you know reading stuff which is but it's like yeah yeah reading things by the enemy and things like that yeah not that michael gove would think of these you know controversial michael gove looks like as, uh, you know like the mr men books yes yeah michael gove looks like stuff. a mr man he looks like a cartoon character or a, or a... well no i think it's pob isn't it don't you remember pob no <laughs> you, know, you, you have to watch it, it. yeah it yeah, Pop, Pop was just this kind it? of weird P.O.B. Just P.O.B., yeah. This weird puppet, uh, kind of fairly... Anyway, he looks really like Michael Gove. It's quite scary. He used to look like, <laughs> on the screen and stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> have uh, you seen it? Uh, right, I, yeah. Uh, I've seen it, but uh, if we want other people to see it. Um, so if you had to describe Pop, how would you describe him? Because uh, you say he looks quite similar to uh, Michael. Just quite like yeah, kind of uh, rosy cheeks. Uh, quite. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, yeah, kind of exaggerated facial features. Yeah, I think like there's something a bit cartoonish about Michael Gove, like in, his, in terms of his appearance. He's not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Pop just yeah, there's something really uncanny about it. But, yeah, but yeah, I think the program was yeah, he used to like spit on the screen and write his name in it. Uh, this, you know what I used, the TV I used to watch as a kid. Yeah, uh, puppets so like we've got the screen. We that was, we've that was oh the my 90s. god, Jack. So like, what is it? The second the second line down is a car is a oil painting of Michael Gove in between two pictures <laughs> of that's he. Why yeah. he is literally? Oh, this must be like a well known thing because he is in there. He is in the mix. You type in Pob, and uh, Michael Gove comes up. I'm just gonna yeah. pick up one picture. And then, uh, I—he's not very likable, is he? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I—I I wouldn't say he's likable. Um, yeah, probably partly down to my politics, but I think he's quite popular with a certain kind of person, um, or at least he was before the, you know, the leadership election before last when he stabbed Boris in the back. I know. It's, I just yeah. feel hopeless. I just think there's um, we've gone like with the amount that they're taking the piss, the amount they've messed up, the amount of like Dominic Cummins breaking the lockdown rules, driving three hundred miles away twice while sick, putting his pit. Like people, it's just gonna go like America with Trump and stuff, and people are just gonna find cling on to any reason that they can think of to be like, you know, oh they're doing the best they can, or you would be worried like. I kind of, I'm kind of giving up on humanity. I just think. Yeah, well, I'd probably say I reckon that 
that probably people have always been like this and the this kind of faulty reasoning is just more visible now because more people's voices are heard mm. you know because we you know social media i think just like the kind of faulty reasoning that people employ to support or oppose particular political figures i think it, that reasoning's always been there but we just haven't seen it as much wouldn't it be think, cool if we could just like be level-headed and say look I'm from. I'm generally in this camp, and I think that we should have like uh, social support for people who need it. And you're from that side, and you think poor people are lazy, and you know we shouldn't help people that can't work and all this stuff. But why don't we just get together? Oh, this is just such a. This is such cheese. It's unreal. But why can't you just people just put the actual flag waving party stuff aside and just be like, right? Doesn't make sense to have people that can't work out of money unable to pay rent and stuff like that they're going to turn to crime they're going to do x y and z i I just think if it was well they're not all but if you've got a healthy well-fed population um well-educated population then surely like your problems are not going to be as bad i mean the issue is that well this is the issue about ideology is people have different theories about how you reach the outcome you want and sometimes the outcomes might be similar Mm. you know um i'm i'm prepared to say that know, i don't uh, know and i'm like open to listening but like most people just seem to be this is it and if you're not with me you're an enemy and i'll do everything in my power to undermine you undermine you and like make you look stupid and just take apart your argument even if it, even if it actually helps the same goal that we have mm. well i guess it's because the stakes are quite high and i mean uh, you know, although the goals might be similar, um, there are still differences as well. So, you know, for example, let's say a kind of a kind um, characterization of conservatism would would say that actually, you know, the ideology is based on is still based on trying to help people be as kind of comfortable in their lives as possible. But they only see that being able to happen with a system where there is high authority and where society is divided into different strata, right? Mm. So, so they are saying they are, they do care about people's well-being, but they think the maximum amount of well-being is only possible where with society structured in such a way, and that is just so that's in such opposition to, to a kind of socialist way of looking at things, not in too much opposition to a liberal way, but yeah, yeah in, in very much opposition to a socialist way that, that, you know, that there really is, if, if, if your principles are from a conservative or socialist position, there really is no middle ground. And then the stakes are high about how you achieve the things you want to. I was speaking to Clayton about this, and I was saying that in America it's, it's crazy how uh, socialist is a dirty word. And he was kind of like chuckling to himself about how the fact that Trump has uh, signed, you know, given all these stimulus checks out and delayed them so that his name could go on them has kind of put him down in history as one of the greatest socialist presidents of all time. Maybe yeah, he's just been sensationalist. I don't, I don't know, but like I, I don't agree with it. No, <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's more to socialism than just like kind of public spending on infrastructure and one-off welfare projects. Mm. I mean, 
I don't know if that's a fair way to characterize it, but we have very similar stuff going on in this country as well. Uh, yeah, like it's funny as well because, like, like uh, I don't know. I think in this country we've got uh, socialist values, um, sort of, especially for us that you know we were born with an NHS. Like when we came into the world, there was an NHS there, and that was that, and that's taken for granted with people our age and and older and younger and stuff. And I think uh, if you take these people and you stick them in America or Korea or Asia or wherever, where you've got to pay for for medical uh, medical treatment, um, I think people in this country just take it for granted. Like that that's it. That that's that's hospital. Hospital's free. We don't pay for hospital. And then you go to America, and then you realize how lucky we are. Which is why so many people I know Americans are just like saying whatever you do do everything you can to make sure that your nhs is not privatized like how do you think that's an actual concern do you think that's that could potentially happen because it seems to be it seems to be like the, you know tory's been in power for the last 10 years and they're just kind of privatizing as much as they can but is it an actual concern do you think in your opinion like do you think it's actually could it be privatized to the state of where america is in our lifetime do you think um, I guess I, I guess it's possible. I don't think it's likely, just because culturally we are probably fairly opposed to an American system. I think it's more likely we'll end up with a system with a lot more privatization. Um, you know, or you know, whether you call this privatization or not, but you know, kind of contracting out services to to other providers. Uh, so the outsourcing system, so that's probably more likely, I think, and you know that's already that's already taking place and has been kind have of you, have you ever, a lot in the last ten uh, or so years. Have you had experience years. of that? Have you ever been to a you know referred from an NHS provider for um, you know like any services elsewhere, like privately? I think dentistry is probably one that I've seen change quite a lot in my lifetime. Um, like you know these days, I. I you know, the dentist I used to go to as a, as a kid was just in an NHS hospital. Mm. And now I go to a Booper dentist, which provides NHS services. Um, yeah, that is a weird one, isn't it? Like, because uh, yeah. you've got to pay the... Yeah, I don't really understand that dentist stuff. But yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, Amy, so, yeah, my partner, Amy, so she was, she did work for Unite as an organiser. Uh, she still works for them, but not in the same role anymore. And so she would go she did a lot of campaigns in hospitals and she would go to lots of virgin care um nhs provider yeah um services so i think i said too many words there. anyway but yeah so a lot of the problems they were dealing with was issues with contracts when services would be outsourced um and you know kind of ongoing issues with how uh, those companies would treat their staff so yeah there's quite a lot of issues associated with that, particularly with employment and workplace issues. Um, sometimes with not necessarily the quality of care, but like mismanagement as well. So there's been some, I, I can't remember what the company was. Like, I'm not sure if you remember, it was a few years back. There was the first big outsourcing company to shut down a hospital or, or a healthcare. Oh, no institution i think it was called circle or something like that it was yeah no so yeah there have been some problems associated not that there's no problems associated with the the you know 
with NHS provision mm. as you know the public side of the provision. But yeah, I, mean, I, I could see it. I could see it changing because there's the there's the motivation in the state to change it. What do you um, think you of know, Richard Branson? Like Jeremy Hunt. Yeah. What do you think of Richard Branson like asking for bailouts? Like, like that. That's been that. I think it's fizzled out now. That was in the media loop for a while, but. Um, uh, Richard Branson, the owner of Virgin, uh, his airline, Virgin Atlantic, I think, um, you know, asking for bailouts, but at the same time taking, you know, ridiculous profits and moving all of his, comp- you know, moving shares and company profits to tax havens and stuff like that. I think Scotland have actually, is this, yeah, it might be Scotland, um, have uh, said that any companies uh, based in tax havens uh, will be exempt from any government help. Like, I just think, you know, people go, oh, how long can we go on like this and the economy and all this stuff? I just think, how much money is evaded from being paid into tax? You know, like Apple and Google and people with all these systems are rerouting money and stuff. I'm too stupid to know exactly what's going on, but from people that do know what they're talking about, it seems, and I could be wrong, that, you know, all these corporations are set up in a way where they don't pay any tax. And it's just, you know, people like us, if we don't pay our tax, then... We get fined and caught and thrown in jail, but these guys just do it all day, every day for years, and it's fine. Yeah, I guess it's um, you know the the regulation of taxes hasn't kept up with the reality of a globalized world. <laughs> so, mm. you know, you've got countries trying to take taxes from multinational companies, but actually, multinational companies. And even national companies sometimes as well, but especially multinational companies, it's so easy for them to decide to base their offices in somewhere with a low tax regime or a no tax regime. Mm. Um, and then, you know, have that as their, their head office and all profits. Well, I'm going to just make myself sound stupid now, but, but yeah, you know, basically when, you're talking to when your money flows through there, uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not an expert on this stuff at all, but but, you know, so they just have quite easy ways to ensure that they're paying tax in a low tax country where where their operations are in a, a number of different countries, which may have more. Yeah, it just doesn't seem fair. Tax and, regimes. and all these people that like bang on about, you know, um, state welfare and all this kind of stuff. I just think if you if you're making billions of pounds or whatever in a country, well, I don't know if it's billions, I don't. but if you're making a lot of money in your country, but most of the tax that you're making from that company gets shipped, you know, doesn't even go back into that country. It just seems a bit unfair, really. But yeah, of course, and yeah, I think I think the issue is that everyone knows it's unfair, but uh, no one they get really bored. knows how to deal with it um, in an effective way. And the only effective way to deal with it is to have more international cooperation. However, we're kind of reaching a point where people seem to be getting sick of international cooperation. And experts, you know, as our good friend it, well, Michael yeah, said. I mean, it's, it kind of goes hand in hand. But, you know, so the EU were definitely trying to, you know, solve some of these issues, at least within the single market. Mm. Um, but, of course, you know, now we're leaving. We don't have to accept that legislation anymore. I know. What, so, what so, do you yeah, miss? I mean, Let's like we're talking a lot of serious stuff that I and I'm in da- I'm not in danger. I am. I I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just musing ideas that I ponder and asking people that probably know a little bit more about it than me, like yourself, for your opinions on it. But um, it's all a bit doom and gloom. 
like I like like I said, like, you told me about the Dominic Cummings story just before you came on because I've not been watching the news because I'm just sick of it. But and I've been careful not to do this as well. But I today I found myself daydreaming a little bit and I found myself thinking about what am I going to do when things are back to normal. We don't know when that is. That might not be for a long time. But today I found myself slipping into that. Hmm. Wouldn't it be cool if you know when things are normal and you can go over your nan's house and give her a hug and. And I started going down that road, and part of me felt guilty for doing it, because I thought, well, that's stupid. It's not. That's not practical, because we don't know when that is. So don't go down that road, because you're just gonna like piss yourself off, because you're not gonna be able to. But I went down that road anyway. So what are, what are some of the things that you are looking forward to when we might turn, you know, return back to normality? Yeah, I mean. I say I suppose it's not that long ago that life was a, a, a bit more normal. So it's I mean it's strange to think about how long this might last. I guess you know we don't because I really think know. I think it could be a long time. Uh, yeah, I mean it could be. It really depends on on you know whether a vaccine can be made, whether it can be how quickly it can be made, if it could be made. Mm. whether there are other treatments which are effective but what do you miss anyway. then what do you miss and what are you looking forward to so well yeah i mean you know seeing my family i think it makes it makes you feel so far away from them at the moment um you know i don't, I don't see them that much anyway but it makes me want to see them more exactly yeah, yeah. i can't see them um so yeah being able to see my family um just being able to uh, i mean just being able to take the kids out to like a playground <laughs> you don't you don't know how hellish it is <laughs> it's just you know playgrounds are nice you just take them there they play for you know my youngest and then, and then you, he's not you he's not old enough but, but my eldest can you know you just leave him and he plays and he runs about uh what, you just leave him with a fiver and come back a couple of hours later and pick him up or... <laughs> Oh, uh, we just not <laughs> can't do that yet. I, I'm looking forward to the day I can. He, but yeah, so he is I think hilarious. it's just that stuff, just like being able to go out and just like you know, just go for a trip, go to a farm. You know, I mean, and this is my me as a parent talking because <clears throat> obviously, you know, just everything I used to do, you know, going to gigs. I'd love to go to a gig again. Mm-hmm. You, know, but, you know, in Bristol, I'm I'm just down the road from the Exchange, which is you know great venue here and awesome just, there's always a good week there's always a good gig on like every week not that i would go to them that much but you know I, well maybe I you will like now the opportunity to maybe you will yeah you never this. know i had tickets to see the band pile which i think was probably like today i think <laughs> or, or some it was mm. sometime like tickets i got for my birthday to see like a I think I you should make a list American. you should make a list I, I was going to do the same I was going to make a list of bands that like as soon as I can make a real effort to go and see even if I have to travel because I've got this new appreciation for for, for it you know because oh yeah who's on your list oh, I don't know I've forgotten I didn't write it down but I need to uh, <laughs> just fall into this pit of like negativity despair watching bloody ministers talk about absolute nonsense on the tv you just think ah but no i i i'll uh i want to see more post-rock bands i wouldn't mind seeing um well i've seen mogwai i've seen explosions in the sky but uh yeah more post-rock stuff i want to i want to see more post-rock bands in general Uh and uh that's about it really i wrote anything down yeah i mean i I would still i've never seen the descendants 
and I would love that would to see be the cool. Descendants. Yeah. They're still touring, right? Yeah. Well, that was Jawbreaker. We we missed out on. Why did we miss out? We had tickets for anything. Yeah. Like, how did that happen again? We both had tickets, and then. Yeah. Okay. So the happened. the gig was actually on the due date of my last. <laughs> yeah, but what was your reason <laughs> so why you couldn't really go? Really bad time to have to go. Huh? No, but what was your reason why you couldn't go? Well, yeah, because. Amy could give birth at any yeah. point. No. <laughs> so that, that was a fail joke, obviously. But no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, I, I can't tell with you sometimes because you were you were pretty sure that I could go. You were like, oh, it doesn't matter, it's, you know. Well, like if she didn't go into labour, she goes into labour. If she didn't, yeah, but she wasn't in labour. That's the thing. But we did, you know, we didn't know that <laughs> we were planning to go. In the end, her labour only took four hours. Like I would never have got back. <laughs> yeah, that's, you could get. Yeah. Send and that would have been the end of me. You know that. Yeah, yeah. How's yeah. it? Uh, how like everyone's everyone's doing all right then? Yeah, yeah, right. You just, you know, just fed up of usual... having two toddlers like running around screaming. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Any tips for other dads out there that are kind of in the same boat that need uh, got any got any tips for any of the uh, you know. Everyone's a stay-at-home dad now, unless you're a key worker, I guess. But yeah, just stick the telly on. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Although, to be honest, it's, it's kind of a double-edged uh, what um, double-edged sword. There is some, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's the right um, imagery, but yeah. So <laughs> if you, yeah, double-edged sword. Let's go with that. Yeah. So if I don't put the TV on, then you just have the hell of you know having two kids who have like very different needs kind of vying for your attention. Um, whereas if you do, that just kind of takes one of them out of the room. <laughs> and, you know, he, you know, my eldest just will watch it. Um, but the problem is then TV like makes him go a bit funny and like make, gets him like a bit, uh, like he, he, he gets pretty angry when you turn it off. <laughs> This is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it kind of affects his mood for the rest of the day. So actually, it's not it's great. It's really um, weird. Though. We, we try to limit it, but, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. It's like we we both work full time. Um, From home. And, you know, so we're pretty stressed and we're pretty tired. And, you know, sometimes you just give in. Yeah. Well, you know, we need, you know, if I'm trying to get my one year old down for a nap, then the only way to keep the three year old happy is to stick the TV on. Boring. anyway you know i'm probably a terrible parent but i just you know i guess it's honest though like i you think know. you know like there's definitely worse things you could be doing and i don't know like in in on the topic of families and all that kind of stuff um uh me and becky were due to have our ivf appointment and have all our stuff get uh go in from like pretty much pretty much two weeks um two weeks when the lockdown happened, two weeks after that, we were meant to go in for our appointments, give some blood and do all this stuff, and then, you know, get our injections and cycles all done and stuff. Um, <clears throat> and then, obviously, lockdown lockdown happened, all the NHS staff got redeployed, and uh, it, it got stopped, pretty much. But we, it, you know, and I'm not saying I'm unhappy. I'm saying, obviously, that's the, you know, that's obviously the right thing to do. People are dying. They need to re- redeploy NHS staff, but it's been a bit getting to uh, to be two weeks away after waiting for like two years for an appointment, and then it not happened. So, but we understand why. We're not like we're not saying 
there's no criticism of anyone, but it's still just kind of hard to uh, to be like, oh, we were that close, we were that close, and uh, and whatever. So no, but we, we we've um, we've been thinking about it and stuff, and um, we've been in touch, and Becky's checking out the basically all the IVF clinics in the UK uh, reopening at different times. So like depending on what's going on in the area and the redeployed NHS staff and stuff, and the one that we that we are currently part of, uh, oh, waiting to be seen by, is the uh, uh, IVF Wales or something, something Wales. I'm so bad I should know this stuff, but I don't. Um, but yeah, that's based in the Heath in Cardiff, and they're not open yet. Um, and they're one of the last ones to open, from what it seems. Uh, you know, so so me and Becky being a bit, a little bit gutted, but at the same time. We understand and we totally and you know we totally get it, but we're we're looking forward to them opening again and getting the ball run because like everyone I know has got kids. Me and Becky want a family and we can't do it naturally. Um, so yeah, just want to get the ball run with that. So every time I uh, speak to people with kids and they got all kids stories and stuff, I'm like writing down all the tips, all the good bits and stuff. But then I know I'm gonna forget it. I'm just gonna be like the worst slash best dad. I'm probably gonna be like terrible as like a disciplined person and you know all that stuff but act like a kid and just hopefully make it really fun for our kids and then I've, we've been talking about like what if you have a girl what if you have a boy and we were talking about like uh how things have changed loads like when we were growing up like people treated young you know little girls and little boys differently like certain toys and certain things one thing that um, i'm really keen to do with um, any gender child that we have is uh, get them into jiu-jitsu as, as soon as I can because like even more so if it's a girl because uh, I just think it'd be nice to equip a little human being with stuff that they need to uh, protect themselves didn't uh, one of your didn't you send your ones to some sort of martial yeah, we art took, yeah we took Elliot to, to the other three year old we took him to jiu-jitsu uh, a few months back um yeah and he i think i think he found it a bit intimidating um we only took him once and then we just didn't get the opportunity to take him again partly because he didn't want to go back mm. uh he kind of kind of flitted between it you know he, he really didn't want to go back at first and a while later he was like i want to go back to that see and this then, is the thing but like, lockdown happened and we just you know we kids <laughs> get don't to it. kids don't want to do it though and like sometimes like when i was a kid i didn't want to do stuff but i was made to or encouraged to and like, where's the line? I don't have kids, so I've got no say in it. But like, you're a dad. Where is the line of like, you say to your kids, "No, come on, we got to do it. You got to do it for a little bit to make sure you've had a good go of it, because I really think it's good for you." And then, where's the line where you say, "Ah, uh, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it." Well, okay, you you can't force them to do anything they don't want to do. You can bribe them. <laughs> you can bribe them, though. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, but you need to save your bribes for the right time, <laughs> which, which is, uh, you know, uh, could be other times. But, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you could just give them lots of encouragement. You know, he's pretty – he didn't want to do it at first, and so he went in with, with Amy whilst I was kind of driving around trying to find somewhere to park. So I got there in a bit, and he hadn't done any of it. And then when I got there – 
um, he decided that he would go in if I went with him. So I kind of went in and, you know, Amazing. kicked some kids' asses. Yeah. <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> like, like that Seinfeld. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we just kind of, <laughs> we just kind of did a few of the exercises. Oh. You know, it was, it was kind of a bit of fun, really. They just do... While I remember, there was, there was when I, the last time I came to see maybe a year, year and a half ago. Like that's crazy. But there was a there was a built there was a building being gutted and re, uh, renovated around the corner, literally just around the corner from your house. And I spoke to the guy and I said, "Oh, what's this place turning into?" And they were like, "Oh, because they had a van and on the van it was it said so and so jujitsu," and he was like, "Oh yeah, like we we we're the." the owners and we're builders as well but we're run, we were going to run a judicia school and i was like amazing because i was going to like maybe get in touch and do like a little mini doc with a couple of judicia schools um is that is that literally right by your house that you're talking about where you took him no it's a bit up the road a bit there's um, literally there's literally one that opened about a year and a half ago like two three street two three streets away so you should get into it yeah, jack right. that'd be a good that'd be a good hobby for you that you could get into with him yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I'd like to have a hobby. <laughs> Two streets away. Uh, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to Google it and I'm going to send it. And then I'm going to, well, as soon as we can, I'll come over and I'll go to a session with you. But it's, everyone thinks of jiu-jitsu like it's a martial art and it is, but everyone thinks it's like, everyone thinks of martial arts like really aggressive, you know, horrible people beating people up. And jiu-jitsu is a martial art, but pretty much 99% of the people I know that do jiu-jitsu are well-balanced, really nice people. And the best thing about jiu-jitsu is that, like, you don't actually... It's very hard to hurt someone accidentally. If you're boxing, you can hit someone a bit too hard. But with jiu-jitsu, you tap and there's a mutual respect and stuff. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah, well, this is, this is more Amy's kind of thing than mine. She, you know... I need to she's talk to Amy. Black. Like, get Jack to jiu-jitsu now. Let's do it. <laughs> That's kind of thing, yeah. It's kind of thing she would do more than me. I, 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 I've tried a little bit of martial arts before, but it's not really. Forget it, though. Like, I don't jiu-jitsu, take very well. Jiu jitsu is not like any of it. Just don't worry about it. Like, the, go, you go to, go to it with Amy. Sure. No, you should go, Jack. Go honestly, the ropes. <laughs> you should go when you can't. Oh, this is the thing. We're, 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 we're pipe dreams now, isn't it? Literally, if going I, to a martial I, arts class is a pipe dream. Jeez. If I ever have any time to myself, then. I want to record some more music. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's the kind of thing I want to do. You recognise yeah. his mic? That's my mic that I got. Oh, I didn't realise. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I must have got confused. I must have got... Um, yeah, no, I will give it back eventually. I need to... Uh... It's a really good mic. I really like it. Although I keep knocking this pop shield like an amateur and uh, causing all kinds of... That's why I've got mine off to the side. It still works all right. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we should probably wrap things up. Uh, like, you are obviously um, uh, an academic working in sociology and criminology. I don't know how many people uh, relevant to that field uh, I'll get listening, if at all, because I've been uh, there's been a little bit of a gap in podcasts, but I'm making them a bit more regular. But uh, did you want to did you want to sort of uh, leave any places where people could find out any more about your work and what you, what you do? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Well, yeah, I've got an online presence on my, on, you know, so through my institution, um, UWE, um, and I don't think that has much information on there at the moment, but it has a couple of links to my articles. Uh, yeah, so my writing is on the impact of austerity on neighbourhood policing. 
so yeah, that's the kind of thing. But my, yeah, my, my main presence is on Twitter, where I used to use it fairly professionally, and over time, <laughs> I've got less and less professional, and more just yeah, just joking about. I I I still post stuff about. I I, I do like retweet a lot of stuff about policing and criminology, and mm. uh, so I I sometimes say sensible stuff on there, but but rarely. Yeah. I'm more uh, more likely to be engaged in an argument about what science is with by some troll window. probably yeah and uh, so yeah, where yeah. can where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, so um, my handle is at gm jack gm. Okay, there we go. There we go. So uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up, Jack. I hope things get better soon, and I hope uh, you find a bit of sanity with two young lunatics running around the house, keeping you up and stressing you out. And, yeah, uh, same to you, but with Becky. Yeah, we all seen uh, gracing that, uh, gracing us with their presence, dressed as a Christmas cracker, as I call it. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're gonna sign off now. Uh, you know, that's where you can catch Jack uh, on Twitter, and uh, you know, I'm gonna try and be a little bit more regular with podcasts and stuff. We might get Jack back on, uh, you know, because he's a grown up and he can tell us what's going on in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, try not to sort of. Uh, you know, try and stay positive, look after each other. Everyone's got different points of view. So, you know, we, we should all be able to talk about it and uh, get into stuff without it becoming a rant and stuff like that. Just, you know, as long as you're not hurting anyone else and as long as, you know, you're thinking about other people and their feelings. That's the most cheesy sign I've ever done in my life. But, you know, let's try and be positive. Let's try and look after each other and uh, get along, even though we might not think the same thing. So, yeah, I'm going to sign off now. Make sure you check out the podcast wherever you get podcasts by searching for it. Uh, Never Going Home with First Jukers. It's also on YouTube, too. And I will hopefully have some more guests coming up in the near future. Look after yourselves.